Hello and welcome to the Saladcast on Sunday the 11th of March 2018. I'm your host Dan Train. Joining me today, Zachary Burgess. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. And Robert Kemp. Bonsoir. You've got your cable wrapped around your microphone. Have I? Wrapped around my... Oh, what, my, oh, my head... My, the microphone that we don't use on this headset yeah. that I wear. I didn't even notice. <laughs> it looks really inconvenient. But apparently you didn't notice. So we'll probably, probably just eat it. Yeah, probably just eat just, that cable. Yeah, just shove it in my mouth. <coughs> Conveniently uh, cable tie it away upon my large frontal orifice. <laughs> That's Beyond the new. Was that is that good arriving? <laughs> I can't remember. I guess, I guess yes. I think it, it means or, welcome. Or is it good good travelling? Well, Bian right is Beyond good or well. Yeah. The new is to come, right? Good, good coming. Oh, good, good arriving. <laughs> yeah, good arriving. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. I, 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 I am welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been all right. This rainy Sunday evening. It's pretty rain. Rain for like a minute. <laughs> a bit rainy. I noticed that we talk about the weather, like, and little bits of rain and stuff when we're in different parts of the country slightly, not that far apart, but they do seem to happen at the same time. Like, it did just rain here at the exact same time. <laughs> Just a big ass cloud, just you know, I guess the like size a giant of ele- like a giant elephant cloud just hanging out, and he's like, I feel like a rain. <laughs> That's the noise it makes. <laughs> Didn't sound like hear. that here, to be fair. He's so, he's so low pitched, you see, we can't, can't really hear it. It's such a massive elephant cloud. Oh, I see, it's like, if you sped it up, it would definitely sound like. Do you ever hear of the bloop? The bloop? Yep. I think. The classic. What's the bloop? <laughs> Tell us, Egg. Mysterious underwater noise that was recorded that was incredibly loud for an underwater noise. And then no one knew what it was for a while, and then it was just like, oh, it's ice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> End of story. Yeah, that pretty much covers it. But when it, like, why is it bloop? Because when you, it was a really like low-pitched slow noise that took like six minutes or whatever and then, but then when you spin it off it sounds like a bloop <laughs> it just goes bloop like, like that well, it sounded like bloop yes <laughs> yeah, like, like someone's talking about the democratic order of planets not quite doop that's <laughs> bloop <laughs> very close so it was what it was ice carving off a an ice shelf or something was it it's ice making noise ice <laughs> makes all kinds of noise right. yeah I'm around. <laughs> kind of weird how it happened once though and doesn't really happen that much well we're just waiting for the second bloop you know if it's that yeah. slow we've It'll only got past bloop. the first first bloop so it would be like bloop, bloop. it was probably just because of you know it was probably some big bit of ice that had, had never moved because of global warming or whatever. Wait, now now we've entered the age of bloop. <laughs> <laughs> the bloop age. <laughs> Previously it was ice, now it's the ice age. Now it's bloop because it's all the ice is melting. Yeah. Exactly. Minimalist ambient music uh, project. Bloop age. Bloop age. I wonder if you could use. I wonder if you could speed up the bloop and sample it and use it in a song. Oh, probably. <laughs> Someone probably already has. 
Yeah, almost certainly. You can make, you can turn anything into a song these days. You speed it up into a click, and there you go. You got a hi hat for a for a drum beat. <laughs> you can use anything for a hi hat, pretty much. Pretty speed much, up. Yeah. <laughs> you speed it up. <laughs> you just yeah, you just you just need that that little that little pop, and you could you could use that in something. So, what makes the TSA two eight one so special? I don't know. I think it just cuts through. Might be might be why people like it, or it's recognisable. I think, like, actually, a lot of like when you're talking about music production of these old things, why people are so obsessed with the eight hundred eight and things like that, it's just because you know people know what it sounds know what like. It sounds so like, that, yeah. So, so they go to it. Yeah, it's recognisable. Still, it is cool. It does work. That kind of nostalgia for that particular. Oh sure. I mean, there's plenty of like there's a, there's a classic. Uh, I haven't heard it for a while, but there is a classic like hi hat noise that was in like mid nineties dance, like every mid nineties dance track for a while. Euro dance, yeah, yeah, and and so that that sample did the rounds. I haven't heard it for a while. You still hear it every now and then, but um, or the Armen break, for instance, that 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 classic um, sort of jungle drum beat that's like everywhere and still yep. gets used every now and then. Well, it's the classic drum break, isn't it? Yeah, and. But it's probably only used because they happen to go completely, you know, silent except for the drums for that little section of that old yeah, funk yeah. song. It's pretty great. It's got a good sound to it, even there. Oh, for sure. Good for cutting about. Is it what's it the TSO two eight? It's the cowbell, isn't it? It's not just the hi hat. The cowbell that doesn't sound anything like a cowbell at all. Yeah. <laughs> But they also, I think, when they talk about listen to that, that eight oh eight bounce or whatever, it's uh, a sort of combination of like all of it, really, like the kick and the snare and the yeah, turbulence. And you're right, that 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 is it supposed to be a cowbell? I guess I suppose I it think is it's meant yeah, to be, but it doesn't sound like anything like a cowbell. Yeah, the sort of key key component of uh, early electro. Exactly. 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 <laughs> it's a competitor to Speed Tree. They're not as fast, but they're well more precise. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a yeah. one tree. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, my dear Watson. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound anything like elementary. <laughs> you could use it in the same sort of sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably could. But elementary is a different product. And it's, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a slightly really simplified tree. Yeah, it's slightly different. <laughs> Well, if someone if, if someone told Sherlock the answer, he could, he could go, he'd like as, as a um, as a compliment, he could go, "That's exactly that's exactly right." <laughs> Your answer was exactly. I'm, I'm in my head. It's more exactory when we're just saying it exactly, but it's an exactory statement. Exactorial. Is that like an editorial where people get it right? An exacttorial. It's kind of what an editorial is meant to be for. Editorials meant to be for opinion, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, but you have to you have to you can't make a big bunch of spelling errors or anything in an editorial, otherwise you ruin the whole point. You ruin your own point. Everyone knows if you don't use correct grammar, you just your whole point is irrelevant. <laughs> You've lost. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It doesn't matter what you're saying, if your grammar is slightly wrong, then just disregard. 
I did see so much spelling Naziness around or grammar Naziness around as I used to, I'm sure, on the internet. Also, at the risk of sounding political, that hasn't stopped the Republicans. Oh, snap! <laughs> You're a bit late on that one. I know, I know. <laughs> Has it stopped them what? Are they, are they not saying things with correct grammar? <laughs> they're not saying correct things full stop. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah, they, they're saying wrong things with the correct grammar, though. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. The yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, I, I apart from class... the obvious guy at the top, but yeah, yeah, I'm not, not sure. I would class. Uh... He's not even really Republican, though, is he? What? Just independent, backed by the Republicans? Is that what you mean? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll take that. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's my my politics. <laughs> Satire is definitely not my forte. I'm more known for butt jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, more, exactly. we're more in the butt jokes and, and bad word spelling jokes. <laughs> <laughs> we got, I mean, well, today we've got exactly yes. variations. Well, that was technically Dan. We just yeah, yeah that was me. <laughs> I love that we made it worse by you calling it just bad word spelling jokes. It just doesn't <laughs> what they are. I know, but it just doesn't sound great, does it? It's not very snappy. <laughs> yeah. Words not written right, funnies. They're not written at all. <laughs> that makes it better. Uh change the subject or something <laughs> apparently I don't know what to I was in a helicopter on Friday how about that okay. why was the I helicopter also flying or were you just in it <laughs> <laughs> it, it was yeah it was actually flying for a bit it, it flew wow it flew yeah, I, I just sat in it and it went <laughs> nothing to do with the pilot yeah nothing to do with the two people sat <laughs> in front of me <laughs> uh, yeah, that was fun my, my boss has a has a helicopter and he's just sort of Oh. He, he parked it in the hangar next to the office so it was just like going out for a fly it's Friday afternoon you guys want to come and we we're like hells yeah <laughs> what so you skipped work or whatever with your boss and flew a helicopter or he did pretty much you yeah. Were in it. yeah nice whereabouts did you where's the airfield well it wasn't an airfield it was literally the car park of our office <laughs> oh really he landed it yeah is he allowed to do that well, that's where that's where it's kept yeah <laughs> it's te- it technically registered as like an airfield or a helipad or whatever so it's oh yeah, okay he's he's, t- he's he's totally allowed to do that so it's yeah just just keeps it in the hangar around the back gets it out every now and then it's not uncommon for us to you know see him do this but more uncommon for me to be in it mm, that's cool it's good fun man that must be expensive a, <laughs> hadn't been in a heli before it was good fun very vibratory. No, wait, that's not the right word. Vibration-y. Vib- <laughs> that's also not right. That's the word. Very, very jiggly. <laughs> very vibratory. <laughs> I don't know. You, you, uh, I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I suppose the silly part of me thought that you know, as the rotors are spinning above your head, that the sort of force it would produce would be kind of constant, but actually, it creates quite a jiggle. The whole time, and I didn't really realise that. Well, that's not really from the spinning as much as it is from just an engine. It's like a car; you get constant vibration from the engine. I know, but it's a, it's a lot more extreme than like sat in a car and go. It's a lot more of an extreme engine. <laughs> well, true. I mean, there are a lot more kind of 
crazy mechanical forces going on than in like a jet where just air comes in the jet and goes out the back or whatever. It's not, it doesn't have to get transferred into drive shafts and, and all kinds of shit like that. Of course. Like it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense that a helicopter would be a lot more vibratory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jiggly. Yeah. I just, just, I just uh, sort of didn't, didn't really peg that that, that would be how, how it would be, you know, like you, it's, it's, Quite, it's quite a feeling, and then uh, uh, yeah, nice sets of Bose headphones. I noticed. Yeah, are they like the yeah. noise cancelling ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, they're you're like basically... special. Well, I think they were noise cancelling, or they were like at the very least they were like Bose aviation spec. So I think like they are special. noise cancelling, and I think they use the same tech. Only probably yeah, a well, bit more high grade. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know whether it was. I don't know if you could just have the same thing by just having a decent cup around the ear. If you know what I mean. They're probably like part ear defender as well, aren't they? Yeah. Or... Yeah, as well as yeah, the, it's not like was, they were super tight like a proper air defender is. Though. I don't know if you right like those those, those really do clamp clamp your head together. Yeah, they but, do. Um, yeah, but yeah, they were they, they were comfy and the yeah audio was good. Nice gating on the mics. Oh sweet. Could, yeah, you know, she could breathe and it would not come through, and then someone could say something and it'd be like, except a little bit clearer than that. <laughs> I did freak out at one point though because we, we they had the um, IFR chatter on in the background. I could have sworn I heard someone go "Mary Day, Mary Day." That's not good if that's ambiguous, is it? I know. And I'm like, um, well, I guess that doesn't involve us, but but okay, sucks to be that guy. Definitely, <laughs> I don't. I, that can't be that common, right? I don't know. I don't know. No one else seemed to hear it, so I, I might have just it, you know. Ignore. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite quiet because so it's like, um, uh, what do they call it? It's like the differences. Like VFR is like the heli sort of height, and then IFR is like planes and stuff. Like because we're not that far from the Manchester corridor up there. Ah, oh, right. Okay. So you have to be a, li- be a little careful of airspace. Anyway, helicopters are cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. I've got some friends who are getting their pilot's licenses, but I, I don't know anyone who flies a helicopter. Yeah, I think um, my boss was sort of a little bit downplaying on the whole thing in the, in, in the sense he was a bit like, that's ah, just aviation with different machinery. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's quite different. I mean, he's got a point in some ways, but yeah, it's, it's kind of more cool than I would say. Probably look more more flexible than a plane, I guess. Just like, I'm just going to go over here. Do you have to be able to fly a plane before you can fly a helicopter? Or? I don't think so. Hmm. I'm not 100% sure the skills are transferable, necessarily. Well, you must have to learn all of the like rules of... Well, there must be a lot of similar things, right? Well, I guess in terms of air traffic mm. and that side of it, as opposed to the actual physical nature of moving the thing. Mm. I suppose it's... Yeah, and I'm not sure too much of driving a car really applies, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, that's true. What's that? Is that the handbrake? No, that's the throttle. <laughs> yeah. What is it? The cyclic and the collective. Oh, 
I wonder how, how much it is like that terrible mod for 1942 that we used to play trying to get hel- oh god get helicopters into a game that didn't have helicopter physics. That was hilarious. Oh boy. What was it called? Was, Desert um, Combat. Was it just Desert Combat? Yeah, I suppose it was. Yeah. But yeah, that was so hard. It was funny. Oh, it was very funny. But, but really annoying when that you actually found someone who could who was semi competent could actually do it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they would just destroy you. But it was yeah, it was a really, really difficult thing to fly because it was I suppose it was trying to be as realistic as possible with how that thing actually handled, you know, you tilt to the side, you go to the side, you know, it didn't really give you any um leeway for say there was no like game damping going on to make it easier. Yeah, because then when they put helicopters into the v- Vietnam one, they were like super easy. Yeah. Well, I never played Vietnam, but like by the time I got to Battlefield Two, it's like yeah, these are these are way easier to fly. Did you not play Vietnam? No, no. Hmm. I think you might have been the only one of us that did. Well, I was going to oh, you? At least one of you, right? Yeah, no, I, I've never played Vietnam. I think I only saw it at your house. Oh. It wasn't very good. It was okay, but you know, 1942 was like quite novel but it wasn't Vietnam wasn't that polished or anything it was kind of a bit weird once they put jets into it and stuff well it still is weird but Vietnam had good ideas yeah just didn't actually succeed in any yeah. of them. and it had hilarious balance problem over that the support guy you having all the best guns <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Because he was like anti-tank and he had the machine gun. That problem turned up in a couple of other of the battle games later, but it was yeah. especially bad in Vietnam. <laughs> uh, if, if we're getting into it, like I've always found like Battlefield's balance somewhat... Well, it's, 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 it's awkward, because it's not exactly... I know it's trying to be somewhat realistic, but it's awkward that you know, if you come across a vehicle and you're the assault guy, it's like, oh, there is nothing I can do in this situation. I need to just run the hell away. That was the whole point. <laughs> that was why vehicles were an important factor in Battlefield, because you actually had to have vehicles to fight other vehicles or actually have, have a proper class to do it. Yeah. Of which there was normally only one, maybe two, if you count the C4 guy. But that didn't matter anyway, because they fixed that when they just put fucking anti-tank in places everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 yeah Beth, Bethford 3 and 4 were quite bad for that. Although, not all that effective, because they were stationary, and you could just, you know, blow them up. Sure, but then, like, it didn't matter so much in 3 and 4, because there was a lot more levels were more tight, in, especially in 3. All the city levels were just so enclosed. You only needed one anti-tank guy and he could destroy everything. Sure, but the big levels were even bigger. That was the weird thing about three. Yeah, but they were, three and they four, were big like because then you had air support and then, yeah. then the air support just destroyed everything. Yeah, that, that feels weird. I don't... I, I think if they returned to 2142, they'd have a little bit more flexibility of making actually just sort of balanced vehicles and stuff you know they could have a little bit more fun with it have a bit more you know the aircraft don't have to be jets they can be like hovery things that well that was the only thing that was like 
it was like the one thing that 2142 had was like, like you shoot the mech in the vent it was the it was the one opportunity you yeah. had to be a normal soldier and also anti-vehicle except it only worked on the mechs yeah and didn't do a great deal of damage in it fairness did quite a lot but you inevitably just died because you were standing in the open directly under a mech and chances <laughs> were it was also, just sidestep it, it also knew where you were as well as yeah. all the everyone else in the facility that's like the the forerunner of the Titanfall stuff though right where when you're in a Titan, guess, you're yeah. re- you're actually too vulnerable, probably to people rodeoing you. Yeah, although they did mitigate that somewhat in Titanfall Two. Mm. Somewhat, you know, stealing a battery is does a bit of damage, but then they hop off again. They can't stay on you, just going. <laughs> yeah, that's an improvement. Yeah. I mean, it basically it forced you to have the electric smoke. In that game, where it's just like, oh, someone's on me, just oh, pop the smoke. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't need it quite so much in the second because you're not dead from a rodeo most of the time. But the main problem with 2142's vehicles was that there was, for some reason, even though we were in future tech, there was a massively hard differentiation between anti tank and anti air on the on the anti-vehicle kit. Like, if you were taking anti-air, you were completely incapable of shooting anything apart from aircraft. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you use the mines, I guess, which was your one option. It seems kind of unnecessary with this future way that, you know, everything's lock-on anyway. Even the regular missiles can lock-on. Or some of them. You could argue that maybe they'd come up with something like the Javelin that could actually But as we well know, target for you, everyone just used the anti-tank rifle anyway. <laughs> Rockets were obsoleted by that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that thing. I don't know. I think I ended up finding myself going back to using rockets quite... Like, because... You... Well, you could guide them. That was the yeah. one advantage that the rockets had. But the anti-tank rifle was basically for shooting tanks at point-blank range, because you just yeah. got behind them and one-shot them, basically. <laughs> <laughs> And I just played the anti-air kit for fun on the, on the levels where the aircraft were more annoying. Because no one ever used it. So no one ever, and it was, it was a really like cheap tactic because, because no one ever used the anti, ad, actual anti-air kit, the only other thing that locked on the aircraft was an EMP missile. So no one expected it to be an actual missile that would cause damage. So a lot of time you could get kills on the aircraft before right. you realize there was an actual missile. <laughs> right. So they were expecting to just be hit by EMP in the worst case, right? Yeah, just be minorly inconvenienced for a moment. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't gone back to that. Yeah, exactly. They should have. And, well, mean, they've I got Battlefront know. now, haven't they? I don't know if they can do a sci-fi yeah, battlefield now. The suits yeah, won't yeah. let them. You might be right, which is a shame, because 2142 is possibly my favourite of the series. Yeah. Battlefield 2 was pretty good when, at the time. Sure. I, I think it, I, Battlefield 2, I, I always thought, was possibly a little too ha- hardcore for me. I didn't, I didn't get into it as much as I did 1942. No, yeah. me either. Even though, no. even though I probably played a lot more Battlefield 2, because, you know, the age of the internet actually properly happened um, while that was about. Um, and then broadband finally came about. Uh, so I probably played a, a, a heck of a lot more, more of that. But, yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I ever enjoyed it as much as I did. No, Nine Four Two was the most fun, especially when we played it in an actual LAN cafe. Proper LAN, yeah. And I, I like the slow aircraft of 1942. I would 
had a lot of fun dive bombing shit. Mm. Like I mean, some of the levels in, were quite, a lot of the levels were pretty terrible and <laughs> terribly balanced. <laughs> I, I, I sure. remember spending a lot of time on Berlin, like going between those three basic areas. Oh, I love Berlin. I love, I love that. Berlin was so much fun. But the actual foot combat was, I mean, it was pretty bad. I mean, it's, it's okay. No one part of that game is its strong point if you compare it against anything else no. that was happening at the time, really. It was just no. the fact that it was all combined. And you could all drive the aircraft carrier <laughs> yeah. while there were people trying to take off from it, and it didn't really work, and it was hilarious. No, the physics kind of skanked out. But nowadays, you'd ne- they'd never let you drive the aircraft carrier. No. You'd beach it onto Wake Island <laughs> hilariously. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone is just jumping off the end of it. <laughs> yeah, they've been fixing them in place. Unless you count the the Levolution stuff from four, where you could make one of them crash. But that was like a canned event. Had to be triggered. I don't even know how you triggered that. To, to... I think you had to use use C four on the or explosives on the wind turbines. Right? Was that on that level? The storm. You have to make the wind turbine explode, and then that mysteriously causes one of the ships to crash into the island. Uh, something like that. <laughs> yeah, some some weird trigger. Or was it just like occasionally because the storm is bad, it would crash? Or maybe I was never sure what the actual that level. Was. Or was it one of the rush maps where it's like you got to a certain point and it just crashed? No, it was definitely in combat. That level was less. I never knew what the actual trick was, unlike you know the building collapse or it's like obviously you have to go and use C4 on these specific parts of this building or whatever mm. I think the Battlefield yeah Battlefield 3 was was pretty good 4 was slightly less good I think well, as we always um, say 4 was less good because of the levels yeah the, the maps weren't too hot uh, I do enjoy Battlefield 1 and it's a, but it's a bit of a shame that the you know the, the 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 actual because it's a bit hard on its requirements that it's tricky for Zach and Zach to play and and uh, also the, like I mean they there's all the rumors about Battlefield Five as it always is but like it's got to be Battlefield's year this year right or like what else is EA going to put out this year yeah nothing I guess apart from remakes <laughs> but like then you know Battlefield Five it's just going to at this point, they're basically all the games are that Battlefront engine now. That Battlefront oh, style yeah, of yeah. combat. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know if that's going to work very well in a regular ass Battlefield game. Well, one has that, like, it's that, weird, of, it's kind of weird for one, but then it's like, it's so, like, ultimate history World War One. it almost works. <laughs> Well, yeah, weird steampunk I, World War One, right? Yeah, yeah. There is something. I, I think I know what you mean. Is it something that there's a? To me, I would describe it as battle, both Battlefield One and Battlefront have a softer feel. Yeah, just like to, just to, yeah, just to how the movement feels and how how the how the aiming feels. It's it's spongier in some in some way. Uh, whereas you know, bat, the, the original Battlefield games are always quite sharp. Yeah. Um, not like quite sharp, but pretty sharp. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, would, I, I wonder if they'll stick with that direction in the uh, in the late latest one, or like yeah, I, yeah, I, I would wager you're right, and that it will be 
this this squidgy feel to frostbite is what they what they what they want. Maybe they they think it's like you know maybe it's the kill zone well, I mean, argument where they think it carries a bit of weight. Or I something. mean, I guess they haven't had this fail in a regular battlefield game yet. Yeah, like they've had it fail in Star Wars, they've had it fail in World War One, but they haven't done a regular battlefield yet. <laughs> I, I don't think Battlefield One is a failure. Well, I mean, I mean it's okay, but it's not great. That's, that's enough of a failure to me. Oh, I don't. I I think it feels fine. It's just different. But given the precision of modern weaponry, maybe that doesn't work. Well. Maybe, assuming they go to modern again. Yeah. Because there's still rumours about it being World War II again. Oh, <laughs> really? Call of Duty did. Battlefield oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that would be great if they decided to make it Battlefield 2 because that would completely... As if one didn't already fuck with the naming system enough. Just call it Battlefield WW2 like COD did. And then... Yeah, pretty much. Well, there you go. As we, as we keep saying about every time this comes out, you just... 1944, I guess. They already did 43. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. They could do 44. <laughs> and then they've only got one more, 1945, and then you're out. Then you've run out of options. But they're so far apart, I think they're not going not gonna to care about that. No, of course not. Well, maybe they go 1942 June edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the summer match. Then they put out the expansion for, like, here's December. Well, it's kind of what they did with Battlefield 1, I guess, when they made the Russian... Road to Rome, didn't they, as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, oh, yeah. In, I guess they already did that. Do you reckon they'll pivot to the free DLC model in Battlefield? Because Battlefield's the one stalwart of theirs that's still Who sticking... Who knows what EA's going to do about DLC? In yeah, like, I know. Yeah, they, they've got to come up with another evil plan that, like, doesn't look... Or that evil. people won't... Yeah, yeah, doesn't look as evil... Like what they're going to do for Anthem. That's the, that's the that, up, that is the big thing. upcoming problem that they're going to have. We, we talked about how it got delayed, right? Yeah, yeah. Another <laughs> another year in the hopper, probably to resolve that. I mean, no, for all we know, that game's just not re- not going to make it. But or like, if, the microtransaction stuff is the least of their worries. Or but... if not to resolve, then to just hope that the buzz dies down before they <laughs> oh, <laughs> the same yeah. system again. <laughs> well, I didn't think of that. Yeah, it's not it's not time to fix it. It's time to just. It'll Hope be, that it'll, people will forget. It'll be fine by then. Everyone will be doing it, not just us. <laughs> Everyone will be back to doing it. <laughs> yeah. Online pass will return. <laughs> they already have. They already have it running through Origin. Basically, they don't need nothing. I mean, there's there's an argument that keeps resurfacing at the moment, and like re- regarding this, you know, this stuff, and that's the the cla- Well, it's been around for years. Actually, it's like the sixty dollar argument, right? Yeah. That, that games shouldn't should be allowed to just charge more than $60 if companies are really struggling to make their money. I mean, the oh, evidence... No, one, no one's like, stopping them technically, are they? No, no not really. Um, it's sort of just one of those sort of like market comfort zones, right? They don't think that they could sell a game if it was more than $60 uh, just, you know, to the casual market, I suppose, monetization aside. Um, I suppose most of the money on a game is made in its initial sale, right? With the exception of games like Overwatch and Rocket League, and that actually yeah. managed to do monetization in a somewhat acceptable way. Um, uh, so yeah, that that came up recently again, and and sort of got fueled a little bit by uh, extra credits. So I'm a big fan of on on YouTube, sort of putting a video out saying saying hey, games really should cost more than sixty dollars, or we need to solve this monetization thing. 
and, and, and so, which has caused a bit of a flare up because it's like none of the companies that do these games with monetization are under particular financial stress, no. right? EA are not financially well, it was basically extra credits versus Jim Sterling, and they had like a free video argument between each other. Yeah, pretty much. Because Jim's always been very much like just, uh, well, we know his stance really. He's like just monetization can be done, but everyone the, the routes that they do it are always like the worst. It's like monetization has to be worth something and predictable and your money has to actually it doesn't be matter. fair. It doesn't matter anything anyway, because used. like the, everyone games can cost more than $60 and it wouldn't even be that big a deal because like we're talking about $60 and it's like it's not that long ago that there were things were like 50 and 45 <laughs> literally within the last 10 years well, prices have gone up like 10 to $15 well, I think actually in some respects like in America I think this is actually that's less true because I think the $60 tag is held way more than, than the British tag has the British well, they, console market only, definitely saw a spike the right? only reason it seemed less extreme in America was because well, to, from our perspective, anyways, because of the earlier consoles being a thing, when then like, like the SNES and stuff had eighty dollar games at that age. Yeah, or the N sixty four being the N sixty four was the closest we got to that, right? Because up to that point, we were used to brand new games being what thirty quid at most. Yeah, I guess. And then here comes cartridge based modern games coming out at like fifty quid or more in some cases, and that was a that was a hell of a upsell. And you know now we're looking at it, and it's like, oh, that number's kind of normal now, <laughs> you know. So for us, that's not too outrageous. But I think in the and, and I might be totally wrong on this. I think in the US, that sixty dollar tag is held for a very long time, like a lot more than here. I don't know if it has, well, or maybe the sixty dollar one has, but then there's been like you know indie games like when Xbox Live on three sixty was first out and everything was coming out for $10 and it's like mm. no, now everything comes out for $20 yeah <laughs> but then there were other reasons why that was a decent price point because you know Microsoft put so many restrictions on what arcade games could be in the early days they didn't have to charge that though, theoretically theoretically I guess we could talk about this with Into the Breach but like uh, I would probably have paid double what they were charging for Into the Breach what was it like what are they charging 12 like, quid or something is it really yeah. I thought it would be like a 16, 20, something like I don't that. Remember. 20 would be fine, man. <laughs> anyway. Although if you can switch that around and compare to like another thing we're going to talk about, the, the first DLC for Splatoon, or even just the Zelda's DLC, mm. kind of expensive. Yeah. Well, for what they contain. That's Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. They're on the other end of the scale. Yeah, I suppose I suppose they are. A little, uh, those two are a little. Well, I don't know. Is the Zelda one really that pricey? You are getting quite a lot of content in the like the extra. It, for the fact, you, you, know, for the fact you get those two packs in it, and with like well, the, cha- the challenge stuff and the story stuff and all those minors. You could make an argument about how much content those actually contain because, it, especially the challenge, the Master Sword thing is basically just taking levels that they've already made and mashing them back. Like it's basically reused geometry, pretty much. I mean, 100%. it's definitely not as good, nowhere near as good value per dollar as the base game right that may be oh, 60 but there's yeah, so yeah, much yeah. value there i think yeah, it's okay because it's not necessary to enjoy the game or whatever and fans pay end up paying more you know i think i think that's a, a reasonable way of doing monetization right it's yeah. like completist people have to have the champions ballad or whatever and they end up paying you know more per unit content or 
I suppose the, the Zelda case is a little more interesting because it does actually unlock other things that let like, you do other things in that world, and therefore you're like the the act of a simple new item that behaves differently can open up a world of possibility for the hardcore yeah, players, right? It's so they will get way more out of it than perhaps you and I that just want to bung bung our way through the the the, the you know the set path. Yeah. Um, and you know that's part of course for any like update like this. You know, if they say if Overwatch charged for its new characters, um, one might argue that that you know a single Overwatch character actually does add add a ridiculous amount of possibility, but not just for those playing as them, but those playing against them as well. So even the guys that aren't paying for the DLC get something out of new characters. That's true. The, um, therefore, perhaps justifying their price a little more. I. I, I I mean, that's true of fighting games as well, right? Like, you need to, perhaps to... Some of fighting games' mentality is, like, you need to own all the characters in order to understand all the characters. Therefore, you're actually getting an advantage by having it. Therefore, the price doesn't seem too unreasonable to those that are really deep into it. And also, you know, making a fighting game character is friggin' hard. Um, I don't know. It's I, Obviously, it runs the gamut. Nintia have disappointed me, I guess, with their prices simply because that Mario Kart foray was such <laughs> a good deal. Yeah. And we thought, yes, Nintendo, this is how you do DLC. This is this is dead on. And yeah, it's not been quite that since. It wasn't that for like more than a couple of months before the Smash Brothers DLC came out. Yeah, <laughs> and they ruined it completely. <laughs> we immediately knew what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I do, I, I'm with you. I do think there is a problem with game pricing, but it's because I'm increasingly falling into the cheap-ass gamer category where I just don't buy things new that often anymore. Um, well, we've got Steam sales, etc. these now. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting... I, I have so many games and so many that I haven't played that I'm less fussed about brand, brand new stuff. Unless it really is, like, just that one game where it's just like, all oh, my days, I have to play this right now. <laughs> like Splatoon 2, basically, which is what hooked me into getting the Bloomin' Switch. Um, the Bloomin' Switch is pretty good, the man. The Bloomin' Switch, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And fairness, Splatoon 2 is probably one of my favourite games ever. But, you know, so it worked. It was worth it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm very rarely in that state, so I don't... I don't in some ways, yeah, sure, raise the price. I'm not going to buy it day one anyway. <laughs> Screw you guys. Somebody is, and they'll fund <laughs> yeah. it so that you can get it on the cheat later. Yep. Sweet. Cheers, I'll guys. I'll take that. Right, let's do the news, seeing as we've been talking about sort, Nintendo. Sort of talking around the news, yeah. It's the Nintendo news. Direct. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, was this one of those directs where they'd warned us that much in advance that it was coming? Or did they just sort of... Some in advance. It was like, hey, we're doing a direct this week. Well, do they ever do much more than that, really? No, I guess not. Apart from that January one. They gave us quite a long warning on that one. I can't remember what was in the January one. Oh, that was Labo, right. Right? Is that what that was? Yeah, that's right. Was that, was that even a direct or was that just the Labo special? I suppose it wasn't like a tease, right? We didn't really know what was coming in it. So they were like, hey, look at this weird thing we've done. We're going to charge 70 quid for cardboard. 
Hells, yeah. But then they were, I think they did actually come back and say, like, you know, a lot of people were saying that they'll just give you free cardboard replacements and stuff like that. I think they turned around on that and said, nah. Nah, we're not doing that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Probably because they get just too many people ordering cardboard. <laughs> yeah, I broke it. No, really, I did. No, really, no, give honestly, me free cardboard. Nintendo branded cardboard. cardboard I can put on eBay. Hells, yeah. All right. Right, I'm gonna do I, just so we don't spend way too much time on this because we probably could. And but there are there's there's a lot of things on this list we'll probably only need to just say, and uh, I will let you guys tell me whether you're interested or not, and to dig in. Uh, I think I've got everything on my list, but uh, we'll see. Um, so starting with the 3DS, they were like, "Hey, we've got some 3DS stuff coming," which is like, "Okay, the 3DS okay. is still a thing. That's fine. Carry on." <laughs> Uh, WarioWare Gold is a uh, collection of all the best bits of previous handheld WarioWare games. Uh, cool. Including, including stuff from the GBA, Touched, Twisted, I think is in there, and some new stuff. Sounds good. I mean, it sort of does. I like Mario WarioWare. But, I mean, know. I do as well, but like every time I've gone back to it since... It really doesn't sort of hold that same... No, it doesn't. Like, I know all of it now, I think is the problem. Yeah. It's like, I'm not I'm not surprised or laughing at it, or... So, like, a, a gold collection doesn't really do it for me, I don't think. But you want, like, all new? Yeah, if 300 you... all new minigames, please. Well, you should just play Rhythm Heaven, then. <laughs> I should play Rhythm Heaven, in fairness. I really... I should play Mega Mix. Uh, there's that. There's something about... I didn't get the full name of this, but it sounded like... What, who's this Dylan character? Well, Has he, he been in a, something before? He had another game, okay. which may or may not have been similar to this one. Uh, and also, you know, it was a vague attempt at making a new character by some comedy, but then it was just like, it didn't really work. I don't, I don't know if you can hear that now, but the rain has really kicked up a lot. It's not that bad. Well, we don't have it here. I can hear it. So... <laughs> Good luck, noise reduction, on dealing with that. Um, uh, so there's that. There's a D- Dylan's Breakers or something. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, uh, not sure I was that interested. Um, re-release of Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. Great. Not a new Mario and Luigi game, unfortunately. Just no. a re-release. Like, was it not on the 3DS? Was it a regular DS game? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only way this makes sense, right? Well, they remade the first one, and that was a GBA game. Sure. <laughs> they basically just got an engine that they're just porting those games to, except for some reason they skipped the second one. Right. They skipped Partners in Time. Hmm. Well, well, though, you know, it was known that Partners in Time was probably the worst of them, so maybe they, maybe they also knew that. Oh, I see. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, let's skip, that. let's skip the one that people don't like as much and make the one that people do like more. Uh, but they're sort of including DLC in this with like a Bowser Jr. As they did with thing. the first one. Yeah. And probably is exactly the same as what they did in the first one because it looks to be exactly the same engine and the exact same like style of extra fights that they've included in this thing. Right. It's a bit lazy then. Yeah, possibly. Mm. Uh, Detective Pikachu continues to look weird. And it's got a release date now of uh, March 23rd. So not too far away. Uh, they didn't really show... Gameplay. Yeah, they didn't show what the game actually is. <laughs> they showed cutscenes <laughs> still. And, you know, more about Pikachu's love of coffee. 
Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu. It's like yeah. a different character. He, oh, yeah. And the fact that he doesn't know anything about attacks or anything like that. <laughs> Quick attack. Did I, did I do it? He's basically a subpar Pikachu that just happens to be smart and can talk. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 1 remake. Okay. For Switch. For, no, for, for 3DS. Yeah. It's like theoretically, presumably, you just using the Dark Moon engine, maybe? Yeah, I what? guess. Yeah, right. Except it didn't really look like it. Like the way the movement, it looked like the old game, which I guess you'd want it to, but if the, it would have made more sense if they just basically made the original game's map in the Dark Moon engine, but it doesn't exactly look like that. I'm, I still haven't played Dark Moon, so I don't really know if the look is all that engine specific if you know what i mean i mean it, they, I, I thought they did a fairly decent job of making it look like the gamecube version on i think hardware that's less powerful than the Q, that must be less powerful than the cube right yeah um the 3ds but they um yeah they looked fairly decent i imagine they like do you reckon they're doing the new ds thing and allowing you to use the gamecube controls with a little extra analog nub because i wouldn't have thought so <laughs> well maybe because that would be if they if they just do and if it is just in the dark room engine they'll just use the dark room controls and you just push a button to look up. <laughs> sure, but you know the, those the you know the spin it was the left right spin wasn't it? It was on right stick on. Well, uh, on it was pulling basically. Yeah, that would be that. Yeah, that would be how they control that. Will be the one thing that might be different. Uh, yeah, uh, interesting that they're they're going back to it. I did, I didn't think they would, honestly. It's like Luigi's Mansion feels a little bit like one of those sort of uh, underloved titles. I mean, yeah, it's got a stage in Smash Bros. And they, yeah, they made like, a sequel. Surely but... that was what they did Dark Moon for. It's just like that would be you did that you made the sequel and it was fine. Yeah, why go and remake the original? I guess because the original yeah, that's true. Wasn't, the original wasn't really that. Well, maybe it didn't get played all that much. I don't know. It's just like maybe well, the idea wasn't it when there. the cube came out was they were going to like some make some small games that were not mm. so not so cheaper, I guess, and not so. And they made like Pikmin and Luigi's Mansion, and then that gave they up. kind of gave up. <laughs> yeah, but it was never meant to be like a big thing. Was and, it? I and I don't think either of those uh, games actually came out cheaper here. No, <laughs> so it didn't really. And Pikmin had plenty of content, really. Yeah, it's pretty big. Uh, yeah, so there's there's that uh, Kirby Star Allies. What is this game? Is it like it's not? It doesn't look like a proper Kirby game. You skipped over from, from the 3DS and the Switch now. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't put I didn't put a note here to say when I switched. But yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is a Switch game then. The one with the demo that we, you know, we we talked about last week, where I was like, "Oh, the demo for that." Then we went and played it, and it's just a Kirby game. Or I played it. No, I haven't played it. Is it actually just a Kirby game with the sucking of enemies? Yeah, and... it's just a Kirby. But isn't it? Isn't that the one with like weird cart mechanics and it's the like literally the last probably two Kirby games have had that exact same four player. <laughs> System except for in this one, it's slightly more. You have slightly more control over what partners you have, okay. I guess. So this isn't the weird combat focused because there's another one, isn't there? The co-op Kirby game is that already out? That arena one, yeah, that's been out for a while. Okay, I'm getting a bit lost in these Kirby's. This is the one that was just called Kirby before. <laughs> oh, is it? This <laughs> the, the yeah, just code name Kirby or <laughs> yeah. 
this is the one where you can where they've gone back to the 64 thing where you combine the powers except not in the way that 64 did it because <laughs> the way 64 did it you had to suck up two enemies or you had the ability to instead of just dropping your power you'd turn the power into a thing you could throw and if you threw it at another enemy then the powers would combine and you could suck that back up in 64 hmm. whereas in this one you you Kirby gets one ability but if your partners have an ability that can combine with it, you can just like push a button and they and then it combines onto Kirby. So like if you're if you're sword Kirby and you have the fire guy as your partner, you can just hold up your sword and he'll put fire on it. Oh, I see. <laughs> so does that mean your your partner would be giving up their power? No. They just they just flame it. Yeah, it? they just give you the bonus, I guess. Hmm. Which makes it kind of unnecessary. Because if you like in a situation where you need fire, if you've got the fire guy in your party, they could just do it. You, they, yeah, you just let them do it. You don't have to make the sword fire. Does it, so does it AI them when yeah. you're not co-oping? Okay, and they intelligently react to things that they're doing. Like okay. if, there's, if there's grass and you've got the fire guy, he'll automatically try and set it on fire. <laughs> okay. Does it look alright? Do you think it'll be alright? Yeah, it looks like... I mean, it's a Kirby game in that exact way that Kirby games always are, and it looks pretty good. The only trouble I had with it was, like, I think they've gone too hard on, like, screen shaking when things happen. Oh, really? Like, the, the, the screen just jiggles too much. It makes it quite difficult to follow what's going on, especially considering there's already four fucking characters flying around all, <laughs> apart from all the enemies. Was, was Kirby always... Is it a How Labs game? Yeah. Like, back in, all right, so... you you're, Maybe they learned too much from Smash. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think, the, yeah, at least the last Kirby game was pretty much this exact same thing. It's just a Kirby game. I still don't think I've ever actually played a Kirby game. Yeah, fight Wispy Woods. <laughs> As always. Yeah. Played the Game Boy one. Kirby's Dream Land, like right? I, yeah, I mean, I never played it. But... Well, you'll get to play one soon, probably. Well, yeah, <laughs> we'll come to that. Uh, Okami HD is coming to Switch. Seems like a natural fit. I'm a bit confused. Can... Like, is it? It's come out though on PS4, has it, or something? Yeah, it came out recently. Yeah. So, oh, o- right. Okami HD has already come out on PS4 and uh, Steam. Right. Oh, um, on Steam. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's a PC version. So obviously that's the essential one. Right. Um, uh, there has been. This is like the second re-release of Okami, I think, because they did they did the Wii. There was a PS2 originally, and then no, what was it? It was Wii first, wasn't it? And then they no, called it, it PS2. To, like, it must have been PS2, right? I can't remember. And then Something we like that. must have and then they did the Wii version so they could do the um, motion, yeah. motion control uh, canvas drawing, which was cool. Uh, and that was the version I played uh, originally. And then I think it got re-released on PS3 uh, with a slight update. Um, and now this one, they're, they're, but they didn't call that the HD version. And now the HD version is on <laughs> PS4 or whatever. A bit confusing, but yeah. I don't know. I think mean, it sounds like it would be a good good fit for the Switch if you don't mind using the Switch's touchscreen to do things. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. To be honest, like moving the brush with a analog stick was not that bad. No, it's fine. There's a yeah, there's no real no real problem with it. I guess you don't do it as fast, but the game doesn't real really mm. put any emphasis on you doing things particularly quickly oh. in the painting mode, so it's all good. Uh, Okami's a cool game. Uh, again, it's another one of those games where I'm, I'm surprised they never back went back to the well to make a sequel. Because mm. um, it's Capcom, isn't it, Okami? Yeah, so it's uh, it's not outside Capcom's ability to make sequels. <laughs> they're not, they're not, they're <laughs> not, not like Konami. Konami. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
so there's that. Uh, Sushi Striker came back. Looks the same as it did before. Uh, Project Octopath Traveler is now no longer called Project Octopath Traveler, and instead it's just called Octopath Traveler. Yeah, it really was called Project Octopath I guess it will, the demo still had that, I suppose. Yeah. But so I think since then, they've pretty much given up. Yeah, they dropped the project part of it. Uh, and it's finally got a release date yeah. of July 13th. And they had another one of those like slightly over-explanatory um, uh, trailers about, uh, oh, here's, here's, here's two new characters you might buy. This guy can buy things. Well, <laughs> It seemed like almost kind of a bit of a disappointment of their schools being that bad. Mm. Like the the woman who's a merchant can purchase things. And it's like okay, I guess that makes sense. But then the guy who's an apothecary, he can talk to people. And it's like why? Why is that his skill? Sure, his skill should be something to do with potions or some shit. Yeah, show the apothecary. Surely they should have had like just an empath character or something. If that was like, I thought, like that's kind of like, well, socialite. I was going to say that's kind of what the dancer does, but actually the dancer is unnecessarily. You cause people to you. You basically hire an NPC with the dancer by talking to them by being mm. a sexy woman, <laughs> as right. you do, right? Courtesan, yeah. And they talked about that the, there'll be a dual job system, and that combining jobs will be uh, open up. Possibilities, which well, I mean, you know, the same that's, standard procedure, I guess. Yep, Square's wheelhouse. It's just like it's, it's it's like it's not. It's basically the Raven default system, I suppose, because you know the two jobs of that system. Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Except not quite. I don't know. They didn't, even though they went into this excessive detail, they didn't really show that very well. Like they, they're like, oh, if the merchant has the dance, dancer skills, then you can do the dancer skills. And they just showed one of the dancer skills, and I was like, that's not actually a combo. Yeah, I, I mean that. that... <laughs> You're right, actually. I don't think I pegged that. And perhaps they, perhaps they don't actually have combo states, and or you just gain the other, other skills abilities. as an option, yeah, yeah. or certain other abilities. <laughs> A bit like how I mean, technically that was still how it worked in Raven Default as well. Like you just got the other classes' skills as an option, but your main class determined like your stats and whatever. Or a bit like how your secondary in Mass Effect is just adds a couple of things from that class rather than. Hmm. Uh, yep. So there's that. It does look cool though. I still think that game is a really good look. It's an amazing look to it. Hmm. Um. Uh, Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes. And so this is the first I think we've actually properly seen of this game. And it's not what I was expecting. I thought No More Heroes was like a character action. And it was at some hack point. And, slash, and it seems to have been horrifically simplified into like a top-down hack and slash for single Joy-Con play. Um, and I'm not quite, I'm not sure that's what I was after. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, is that the like the Killer Seven guy? No. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think no. Is it Gr- Grass? Is it Grasshopper? I can't remember. remember. Yeah, might be. No, it's uh, it's the other guy. No, it is Grasshopper. No, no, I get confused. Grasshopper's done quite a lot, mm. but I think the Killer Seven thing might be a. No, I've got no idea. I've got no, no idea. I, get, I, get, I think I'm a bit confused between those two, um, if they're the same or not. Because I, I think this guy, this Travis Touchdown guy. Um, you also did that game where your gun is called the boner, right? Which might have been Grasshopper as well. I'm not. I I don't know. I get lost. 
Um, but anyway, that game just didn't look as cool as I was hoping. I wanted like being being katana character action with weird ass slot machines or whatever that first game was about. <laughs> that first game was mental. From what I saw, I never actually played it. Uh, Dark Souls Remastered is getting an amiibo. Yes, that was the only important thing about that. Yep. They're making a praise the sound amiibo. <laughs> it's like, apparently they know what's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And that's the only way of doing a praise the sound emote in the game is if you tap the amiibo. <laughs> that's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. You got some hooks buffered in that. Uh, all right. How much do you want to talk about Maritanus Aces? <laughs> Not as much as they did. <laughs> what? True. But right. that's very easy because when, you, that, when Nintendo goes into excessive detail, they really go into excessive yeah, detail. Yeah, they really did go into excessive detail. But but what's the kind I, of feeling? I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. So they're, they're definitely adding a lot of mechanics to it, but they all none of them are quite so random and haphazard as what they've tried in the past. They, it does feel like they're actually trying this time to come up with mechanics that are somewhat skill-related. So, long story short, it's about meter management now, and hmm. that your characters have, have, have meters, and uh, certain actions will make them go up, and certain actions will make them go down. Um, and so you now have special shots. Uh, you know you can you can target a shot to a specific point on the court um, using some meter, which is called a zone shot. And uh, you now have a special defensive mood called the zone speed, but that's which slows down time for you to get across the shots. Uh, but that burns meter while you're using it. Um, there's now also concepts such as racket damage about if you if you don't correctly Great. time a return to a powerful shot your racket will get damaged and they implied that if you lost your racket that's it that's game over like wow. not but they didn't really say whether it was end of game or whether it was like end of match well they also or, they also kind of vaguely implied that you probably have more than one racket but they were even specific it's like, yeah. if it's your last racket they said at some point and I'm like okay so how many do you have yeah so like and, and <laughs> so they were like I'm, okay we made the best game ever last year and what's the feature <laughs> that, that that people like the most about it oh weapon <laughs> yeah, damage weapon, yeah. <laughs> yeah weapon durability of course but, yeah so but they that in our that, tennis game <laughs> yeah so they did imply that in, you know this seems like an intentional thing it's like do you go for the point for the game or do you do you go for racket damage in order to like like win the match by other means implying that maybe there's a that's that's, that's like a weird. comeback mechanic right so say you're like losing badly at the game but you have the opportunity of doing racket damage like you could just win by damage as opposed to by points that's horrible it's weird isn't it it's weird i don't know i don't know how i feel about it um the only thing I can really... And there's this thing called... Tri, there's trick shots as well. It sounds like you could like specifically spend more time to play a fancy shot to build more meter. Well, uh, and I, something about specials, once you've got full meter. Oh, well, um, yeah, you just get an uber shot, of course. Yeah. There's always going to be one of those. But the trick shots f- seems like... Like they were trying to do like a fighting games... Like uh, when fighting games do like close or far attack versions of a move. That always seems like what the trick attack is. Like you have to be spaced a certain distance away from where the ball is going to be. Oh right! And then wow. Trigger it before so the ball so gets there. So if you think you can 
judge the distance perfectly. Because they say that the trick, trick, the trick shot is what, how you build your meter faster. Yeah. Which implies that it's a skill-based thing they want you to do, where it's like you have to... Because they show Wario where it's like he does it too late and he misses the ball. It's yeah, like, or, and then they had Peach doing a fancy spin to actually hit the thing. Yeah. And, it's like, that. to me, that says that it's a, like it does require you to be in like, a or... certain position and do a certain move. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Because Peach definitely does two different ones as well. Because he does like a spin and a cartwheel. So, oh, yeah. Because you only ever see Mario do the ridiculous flippy jump. And you mm. only ever see Wario do his slidey dive. But then when they show Peach, he does two different ones. Which is interesting as well. I'm not sure whether that's... Is it just different animations? Or is that actually a different like directional version of that move that you have to trigger? <laughs> Who knows? So all of this sort of, in my mind, adds up to this is a very interesting mechanical shift for them, and it's perhaps something that they long overdue, right? Like, well, to actually make a tennis game which has more mechanics and are actually thought about rather than yeah. playing in special moves, in, in, in a way that actually seems to like shake up the tennis world, I suppose, or what a tennis game could be. They're like they they they've put some effort in for once, which is you know more than you can say for that Wii U version where there was zero effort. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, but I'm not 100% convinced it will be good because of Mario Tennis's history. Um, Screw that, you can turn it off anyway. Woo, yep. simple they, they did straight up just say, we've put a basic mode in that just turns all of this new stuff off so you can play tennis. Oh, cool. You know, like turning off power moves in the GameCube version. It's like yeah, you can, you exactly. And but turning off power moves in the GameCube version didn't make that game as good no, as No, it didn't 64. solve it because, no. yeah, because the feel was not right. Yeah, and that is one other thing that, that there was slight hints that maybe they had slightly closer to the feel of 64, maybe. I mean, as soon as they showed Boo doing an incra- a crazy curling slice and he was clearly drifting, and you can see, like, the charging when people start charging. You can see, mm. like, the glowing around the racket as they slow down and start to position. Yeah. It's like, that's all, looking like that's the right good, idea. All good signs, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so sort of cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Um, they did give it a release date as well. I think it said June twenty second. Not long. Um, so not too long. And they're also going to do like a like a, a well. They called it the pre launch tournament, which I, like so effectively there's going to be like a beta period. Yeah. Um, but it's also one on one. Who wants to do that? <laughs> yeah. Doubles is always the way to go. Doubles is the key to that game. But yeah. But at least we'll get. A, I guess it'll be the opportunity to get a feel for what these mechanics mean. Yeah. Um, and how well it works online, also. Sure. <laughs> so I mean, let's see what their net code is like. That's clearly what the point is. Right? <laughs> like, they're, 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 they're masking it in a tournament, but it's clearly like it's a test punch. Uh, yeah, Maritime Aces. Like, could be interesting. It's the first time I could honestly say that about a tennis game in a very long time. <laughs> Probably ever since Mario Tennis. <laughs> Uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is being re-released on the Switch and the 3DS. Okay, I mean, just keep bringing those good yep, Wii U games not? over because no why one bought not? them the first time. So exactly, can't really complain. Uh, Undertale is unsurprisingly coming to the Switch. I'm sort of surprised that got a spot, to be honest. But you know, if Dylan can get a spot, then I guess Undertale deserves one. Um, uh. Slightly weirdly, the Crash Bandicoot remake trilogy is being released on Switch. 
on July in July 10th. The funny thing about that was I saw a comment on the, on YouTube where someone was like, I never thought this was going out on Switch, but I'm waiting for the PC version. And then literally the next day, the PC version was announced. Oh, was it? I didn't actually hear that. <laughs> so basically Activision is just putting it out wherever the fuck they can. Yeah. Because they just want money. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's... Like we've got this Crash Bandicoot license that we're clearly not going to make a new game with. Let's just release the other ones. Well, I don't know. There are everywhere. rumors that they are making a new Crash Bandicoot game right now. Like, classic style, but new stuff. There's no way that's going to Yeah. Activision don't make games of that nature. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. That was... That's a lie, wasn't it? It was Spyro they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Um. Uh. Yeah. I don't. I, I. It's weird, just simply because of the fact of that. You know, Crash has kind of been a PlayStation icon, right? And this is the first time he's got out of that. Other than the fact they did release some Crash games on GBA back in the day, mm. but then a lot of weird stuff came out on GBA back in the day. <laughs> like, there's a Banjo Kazooie game on GBA. That's not that weird. <laughs> well, Microsoft releasing on Nintendo. It, it was Microsoft during that during that release, yeah, because it was around the time of nuts and bolts. Anyway, well, that might that may have they may have already been making that before they got quite by Microsoft. At that probably, point, at, probably, <laughs> yeah. And also, I guess Crash. No, was it um, Banjo did appear in a Sega game as well because they were in. The Sonic, All- the first version of Sonic All Stars Racing. Yeah, but that's, that was the. But at least that's on Xbox, right? Oh, well, and also that's the that was the moment when Sega became the cameo factory. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> they became the valve of, <laughs> of consoles <laughs> for cameos. The valve of the consoles. Uh, other things coming. Little Nightmares is going to come to the con- come to Switch. No real surprise. South Park is com- going to come to the Switch. The- Possibly a surprise if you consider the adult nature of that game, um, but that, that's probably actually quite a good fit for the Switch, right? Well, it's mar- it, the only thing that's surprising is they didn't do the first one as well. <laughs> sure, because it's just the second one. Yeah, well, the second one is quite different, but yeah, you're right. It is possibly a bit weird that they didn't think to do the first one as well. Got to sell that new game. Mm. Got to sell that new game. Uh, Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition, which I assume was a Wii U and just and 3DS version before. I didn't think they did a Switch one, so they're doing a Switch one. Uh, May 18th. Uh, Arms is having a tournament, and they're opening a new Test Punch period on March 31st. So I'm not sure they're really allowed to call it a Test, test Punch yeah. after launch. No, that's, like, that's not what that means. They're not really testing anything, yeah. <laughs> It's just a it's a free it's a, weekend. It's a demo. Yeah. The time limited demo. Uh and then we get to the real meat for me. Like the, yeah, these 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 last two points. Oh, oh boy. Uh Splatoon 2 is getting a big old update, which at first sounded real dry, because they're just like, here's version three. We're gonna have a hundred new bits of gear. And uh, and we've got some three new maps are coming, two of which I think are from Splatoon One. Yep. Um, but they're good maps, so I don't care too much. But they um, Salmon Run map, girl. Yeah, that, that, that's disappointing. But for, for you know, still, Salmon Run doesn't get enough love. Not enough updates. Not enough. Um, not enough stuff being added to that for sure. Um, but oh, oh, that trailer for the Octo expansion. That's a real good trailer. <laughs> 
Do you really care about that? Because <laughs> it's single player. <laughs> I, I don't know. The single player is my least favourite part of Splatoon. But, oh, uh, mm. that's a hell of a trailer. I want to play that. <laughs> I want to play it right now. Well, you better finish the regular single player. Right? I have finished the regular single player, but just not with every weapon. No. <laughs> and I'm never going to do that. Uh, if it means... If it means that music that they played during it is coming to the game, or more Octo-style music, and you know Octolings are now going to be like playable characters in the in the in the main game as well. It's not just Inklings; the Inklings and Octolings are now friends or something. So they're not like mm. I'm not convinced they actually are Octolings for a start. Yeah, there's something odd they, about them. They yeah. very specifically say in the voiceover she looks like an Octoling. It's all like okay, so that's not actually it's some kind of hybrid. And <laughs> yeah. then this is, I assume it's going to be some kind of genetic engineering experiment going on in this. Subway. Yeah, it looks a little bit dead or alive for a second. Um, <laughs> there's clearly going to be some sort of um, a, perhaps an explanation for why Marina is there. Well, I mean, right. Because that's why, it, like, she clearly is an octoling, because mm. the octolings you fight in the Nor campaign look like her, whereas this new one does not. Looks like an inkling with weird hair. <laughs> well, no, she does look like Marina, like, because, like, not the, really, the, the only real difference between the octolings is they have suckers on their hair parts yeah. and they on the and they don't have the joined up blackness on their eyes. Those are the only two real differences. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, boy, uh, it's like it's like eighty new levels. I think they said, or eighty sort of test environments. <laughs> so whether those are like big full-on single-player levels, or whether they're small little challenges, and there's this subway presentation that seems like it would be cool, and new story content, and uh, they're adding Cali to the other single-player to do something that's do not nothing. really explained. Perhaps to just be there. I think that that wasn't part of the expansion though, so That's just no, no, that's no. That's just, just that's, the update. That's just coming. Um, and they did straight up say that this 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 expansion is going to be twenty dollars, uh, which you know pushes us more to that sort of upper end of Nintendo DLC. But I'm so in. I think I love <laughs> I are. love the I love the aesthetic of this way too much. Even if I'm slightly skeptical about the single player side of this, it's like oh oh I love this so much. Seriously, though, that trailer music. Oh. You better hope that they actually make new level music and don't just reuse the same level music again. Yeah, which they may might well do. I would have been. Well, you know, they've done they've done music updates or you know a music update already. There's nothing to say they wouldn't be more. Oh gosh, um, and then the final number. Not a lot to talk about, but. As you've almost certainly heard by now, Smash Brothers is coming. But we still don't know whether it's a remake or a new game. I am in the camp that it will be mostly a remake. or Really? Not. Yeah, I think it will be mostly the Wii U version, but um, just because they haven't had as much time as they oh, well, normally Well, have do. they, though? That's the question. Well, it's been like three years, I suppose, but... <laughs> Because we don't actually know how long they've been working on this. Well, there's also the other factor that, like, Sakurai, like the lead, after the Wii U version, he pretty much said, I'm not doing this again. And we we haven't seen him. (coughs) So there's no real... We don't know if Sakurai's actually working. Well, I don't know if he necessarily meant that he's not ever going to make another Smash Bros. I think maybe he was maybe referring to the fact that he got kind of surprised by having to make another Smash Bros. suddenly. (laughs) <laughs> when they kind of dropped that on him at the E3, where it's like, and you said, I was like, what? 
Uh, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. Maybe, but I and know. also, I, I would I, just given the again given Nintendo's current push of like mostly recycled content from the Wii U. I, I think it's maybe it's a half, you know, like Splatoon two. Maybe it's more of a half step, right? And then well, I mean, like like it'll be mostly the same. Like perhaps mechanically it'll be the same. Perhaps we'll get all the guest characters thrown in, like Mario Kart well, Deluxe. Maybe the guest characters licensing yeah. troubles aside. Um, like a lot of people well some people would definitely say like it would be obvious if the, even if it's technically a new game it will probably still be on the same engine yeah because there's no true. reason to fuck around with that yeah. you, you don't need to rebuild the whole game you're just basically putting new stuff into the engine that already exists but then it's like you know like uh, if you if you're treating it in that way, it's like okay, building a stage probably isn't the most complicated part of that game, but building the characters, well, the or, one... or how much refinement they're going to put into the character model and any of that is like that's where the work potentially is, right? I mean, the only one thing that makes it seem marginally more likely to be a, a more new game, if not a totally new game, but like is that it looks like in the brief second that you see it, it looks like Breath of the Wild Link. And he, mm, that would have to be a complete rebuild of that character because all the abilities would be different. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Because maybe, like, it'd be, you, maybe it'd be a third link. You know, you've got like well, regular... I mean, yeah, it could just be a third link. Because like, you know, the bombs are completely different because mm. in regular link, they're a timed fuse when you, as soon as you pull them out, the fuse starts burning. Whereas in the Breath of the Wild Link, it'd be, you know, triggered. Well, they, <laughs> they, do, they don't always follow the pattern completely, do they? Like with movesets. It's like, I think, it'd be, yeah, I could... think there's every possibility it could just be a reskin. But then it'll, it'd be about, nice if it wasn't. What about all his other shit that, like, and you know, you could totally, I mean, even if, what, I mean, like, if, if the, one, make... the one thing they need to put in with, like, Breath of the Wild Link, if it is a new character, and, like, they need to come up with a name that's, like, that's snappier. <laughs> Breath of the Wild Link will be what it's called. Or would it just be Wild Link? <laughs> yeah, or, Wild Link. Or, like, Toon Link. <laughs> or Breathing Link. Um, they'll, they'll Blue Link. <laughs> um, braided Link? Uh, they might be... Um, like they'd have to somehow get weapon durability in there somewhere. Well, basically, right? so, what so I just, think... like you've got the master sword, but you can't use it. All well, that they're, much. they're going to make the, the, clearly. They should just make this new link a, not a reskin of regularly. They should make it a reskin of Robin because <laughs> he already has weapon durability <laughs> with his sword that sort goes away of, after a while. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> it's basically the same. Yeah. The glider would be ridiculous. <laughs> well, that's just his replacement to upbeat. No, you don't do the spin attack anymore. You just have the Rivali's game. Rivali's game, yeah, yeah, of course. That would be cool. I mean, that is basically just a reskin. Yeah, <laughs> it could do exactly the same damage profile, even as the spin attack. Uh maybe you'd have to change the the hits and how the, the character then bounces around after each I don't hit. Know if you would, because yeah. some of the upbeats have multi, like Peach's parasol and its weird multi-hit. Yeah, well, that's but that's sort of like straight. You know, Lynx is going side to side and like causes a bit of horizontal action. And well, like Rivali's would be more vertical, and I yeah, guess. they'd be they'd be and probably not as wide because he's not spinning a sword around. You know, there's there's changes. What, what else? Cryonis. <laughs> that would be funny. Oh yeah, yeah. Just put a random pillar in the middle. Of that. that could be <laughs> yeah. his down. That could be his down His down smash. Just an out. you don't really use the ice for like damage in the game, but like. It just came out of the ground and threw someone in the air. <laughs> mm, or is that a you know something like that? Anyway, new Smash is coming. Most importantly, it's coming this year. Maybe. 
So exactly this year. Yeah. December. I mean, they need something big, and that's a big one, isn't it? Even if it is. It's a biggie. Yeah. I mean, if it's really a new game, like even on the same engine, that is like a big release, right? Which is what they need. People were still claiming, and I don't know where they get this idea from, but people were still claiming that the Pokemon game is supposed to come out this year. And I'm like, I'm not sure anyone's ever said that. Where are you getting this idea from? No, Pokemon would have a way. The Pokemon, the new Pokemon would have a way bigger wind up. That wouldn't be a shadow drop or like a. Well, they still got E3. I guess, but like the, the, the like the wind up to Pokemon games is massive. Normally, like we normally know about them fairly early. Well, maybe they maybe they want it to be marginally more surprising this time because it's going to be different. Well, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I subscribe to that. I quite like the late reveal to <coughs> to to release, but uh, that's generally not how Pokemon have done it. Because what else are they going to do at E3? What's the big Nintendo reveals at E3? Not that E3 matters to them as much any longer, is it? They've already they just done do another Smash direct, Brothers, don't they? Yeah. yeah. They've already revealed Smash Brothers, and they haven't talked about the Pokemon. Well, we see Smash Brothers, I guess, and that might be enough. I don't think you even see Smash Brothers. I think at E3, E3, yeah, we have to see it at E3. No, I think at E3 you're just going to get another character reveal trailer like they do. Because they 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 never actually show Smash Brothers just like, here's Smash Brothers. They show a little bit of Smash Brothers in the character reveal trailers. Yeah. (laughs) Which isn't really the same as showing the game, but it kind of is. I get. I I don't know why. I've got a hunch they'll go a different direction with how they uh, how they talk about Smash this time. I don't think they. I don't because the trouble is you don't just imagine the exact the ridiculous amount of detail that they went into Mario Aces only for Smash Brothers. It'd be basically like the tutorial video. Where it's like here's how you do <laughs> a Smash, of. and here's dun, how you do dun, the, dun, um, dun, the, dun, the, dun. the B moves and all this stuff. And they're not going to do that for Smash Brothers. Because they know that people who want Smash Brothers already know everything about Smash Brothers. <laughs> that's why the character reveals are the main way they showed Smash Brothers, because that's the thing that's new and interesting in the new version of Smash Brothers. Well, and arguably the control is the least important part, though, so I don't need to show that even to casuals. It's like, like, do you really need to know how to control the game? They didn't talk about that in Aces, how you actually control the game. They talked about how well, it's mechanical stuff. It's like you don't know what button we push to do zone shots. It's <laughs> well, you know, it's a two button system. That's fairly obvious. Well, there'll be more buttons. There'll be triggers. But yeah, I don't think they'll actually go into. I don't think they'll go into detail on Smash Brothers. It will still be the same that they've already always done with that, unless it unless it really is dramatically different in some way. Like if they bring back story mode, maybe then we can go into that. Oh damn. <laughs> Subspace Emissary is back. Damn. And I that hadn't even crossed my mind. I'll be so happy if that's back. It's a stupid mode you play once, yeah. but it's so good. <laughs> and also, you know, they also don't need to go into it if they're going to maybe bring back all the shitty modes they made for the last game. Mm. Both versions, 3DS and Wii U. Yeah, let's, let's not do Smash Tour again. I didn't, <laughs> that didn't work. It's called Smash. It was Smash Tour. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think the, so. whatever the board game was. Yeah, that didn't really work. Still got bloody things to unlock thanks to Smash Tour. But I think either of those, like either Smash Brothers or po- the Pokemon game, if they're not unusually different, it doesn't seem like a thing they're going to spend a long time on. <laughs> mm. 
no. ideally the Pokemon game will be at least unusually different enough, maybe, to have that level of attention. Again, I'm not convinced Pokemon will be different. I think it will just have that fidelity bump, like a similar, you know, like those last three, you know, the 3DS run where they went all 3D and stuff. It's like that's a fidelity bump, and it's but it's effectively the same game underneath, and I think we'll just see that. Yeah, probably. And also, you know, they've got to spend, they've got, they really have to spend some time at E3 talking about the online service. <laughs> they do. <laughs> because it's kind of coming rapidly. Yeah. I mean, if to go back to the Splatoon thing, that is the one thing that the DLC perhaps rubs me the wrong way, that they're going $20 for something, for a game we're going to have to pay $20 a year to play soon. The DLC is um, offline. <laughs> but the DLC is offline, yeah. <laughs> And it'll be available to all, whether you have the uh, Nintendo Online Pass account. Presumably, anyway. Unless for some reason they do something really dumb, like linking the Nintendo Store to your online account. I don't know. Can you? Yeah, can you boot up Splatoon Two without creating a Nintendo tying a Nintendo account to your like? I don't remember. No. <laughs> Or well, I guess we would have had accounts by the time we booted up. Well, I mean, that yeah. was our one problem with how we had to transfer your account off my Switch and everything. Sure. But we weren't sure whether that was linking the actual actual account or whether it was just like the me slash saves. Yeah. <laughs> A little uncertain. Still, what was starting out as like, oh, the, watching the, because I was watching this on YouTube live and the chat was obviously uh, running around, running through it. And it's like seeing it turn when uh, the Splatoon 2 trailer and then the Smash Brothers trailer dropped was quite fun. Because up to that point, everyone was going, this is really disappointing. Where, and, uh, where's Smash? Show me Smash. Everyone knew it was coming, though. It was like... <laughs> I don't but, think but, but then the moment it dropped, it's like chat was so like, oh my god, so good. It's like, But, you know, up to that point, everyone thought the director was kind of lame. And then... And then those two things landed, and they were like, oh. I think people would have been foolish to not expect that. The number of times I saw. I don't know. I thought, I, I'll be honest. I thought Smash was still some time away. Mm. I didn't think it was going to be this year. Well, I mean, they could have still teased it at this point, and it did next year. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah, well, Smash is another one of those games that has traditionally had an incredibly long run up to its release. Yeah. Like over a year, well over a year, like maybe two years in Wii U's case. Wii U's, Wii U's run up was incredibly long. It's because they had to schedule time for all those characters. We're not getting as many characters this time. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't got as many months to do character reveals continuously for. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. They'll release it as like a quite slim package and it'll just get bigger over time. Once the two. Uh, no, I don't think that's going to happen either. Because they've already gone into the DLC route. Yeah. We'll be lucky if we even get the DLC characters in this version, if it is a re repackaging. I think it would be cheeky if they did that. I mean, assuming they still have the licenses. As assuming well. <laughs> they still have the licenses, yeah. So that's an empty direct. Oh, yeah. Smash Brothers, fun. baby. Fun times. When are they going to release a GameCube adapter for Switch? Apart from apparently the Wii, the Wii U one actually will work. Yeah, on my, my, in theory, I haven't tried it, but in theory, the one I have will just work. Assuming the one you have will work at all because well, <laughs> because I, of its fucked upness. Well, I think two of the sockets are boned on it. Yeah, but 
those first two sockets should be fine. Also, I'm not sure I would mind playing Smash on the Pro Controller. On the Pro Controller. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. The Joy-Cons might, might suck, but the Pro Controller's fine. Because I played a lot of the Wii U version on that Pro Controller and on the gamepad before I managed to get hold of one of the GameCube things, and I thought it was fine. It's like, it's better on a GameCube controller, admittedly. Well, but, the, the big problem with the Wii U one was like the squishiness of the buttons on the Wii U. Mm. Everything was too squid, squidgy and like it didn't it didn't feel responsive enough for a fighting game, even even a weird Nintendo fighting game. I mean, that that Pro Controller's a lot better than the buttons on the actual gamepad itself. You know, I mean, the um, Wii U Pro Controllers. The Wii yeah. U Pro Controller's pretty good. But... but the Switch one's even better. The Switch one's even better. Although... I didn't realize this because I've never actually used it. Apparently, that D-pad's not all that on the Switch Pro Controller. Mm. Like it's... I haven't used it much for actual... No, I don't think I've thing. ever used it other than to say Booyah in Splatoon. But... It seems fine, but I haven't used it, so... Yeah, I've, I've heard some stuff about people trying to play Celeste on the Switch uh, with the D-pad and like bit diagonals being basically somewhat impossible to actually... Um, or unreliable, shall we say. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, what else is going on in the news? Uh, Codblops. Codblops 4 is a thing. That's not news at all. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a thing. I mean, I liked the first two a great deal. And I haven't played three, admittedly, and some people are that I follow on the internet are quite are very big on Blops 3. I never played it simply because it didn't look all that leading into it. Mm. It, it looked like it, all of the interesting stuff that they'd done in the previous game seemed to have gone away in favour of co-op. It's not what I come to a COD campaign for, <laughs> really. Um, so, I don't know. Color me skeptical, and blops. I played the blops three beta, and I didn't get, I didn't like its take on mm. uh, the multiplayer. You know, because they went big on the Titanfall style movement. That was when they had wall running and things yep. like that, and did that. And I didn't get on with it all that well. It was, it was okay. Just it wasn't Titanfall, nor was it COD, and I wasn't looking for that. Um. So I don't know what do I, I don't know what what they'll do with this one. Presumably future tech again, but are they going all out craziness? Or are they going to dial it back in some way? Who knows? Uh, Treyarch have been the most experimental studio of the lot. So let's hope they go weird. Let's see. I mean, we just had a sort of conservative one in the World War II one, so I would say, mm. arguably, so... Maybe it's time to go a little nuts again. Let's go nuts. Maybe not hire Kevin Spacey, though. Uh, well, that wasn't Treyarch, in fairness. Yeah, that was, I know. That was slow <laughs> camera, but yeah. Anyway. Y'all going to make me lose my mind. I've been here. I, t- I don't know why that's only came into my head. Um, <laughs> yes, we're not up to the quality of the yet. No. I mean, or are we? Oh, what if it I was kind of are. Oh, what if it was COD <laughs> X? Yeah, we must be right now. Right, this must be. How many card games have they been? A lot. Yeah. Too many. Yeah, we must be well over ten now. Thinking about it. 
Um, they're just waiting for 25 so they can be like Madden. <laughs> Madden 25! <laughs> where suddenly it's not the year any longer. Yeah. <laughs> Card 25. Well, I never would. What, do you reckon I would do that? Just like Call of Duty 2017 or the release one for last year? I'm trying to think of why. Was it literally just because it was 25 <laughs> that they did Madden 25? There was no other actual significance to 25. No, there? I think you're right. <laughs> Unreal I think it was like 25 years of Madden. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was 25 <laughs> Maddens. Was it 2003 and then 2004? Yeah. The, the good one. The good one. 2004 was the finished game. Yeah, 2003 was the pre-release, which was perfectly good. But 2003 was exactly the same as 2004, just with a lot less content. Yeah. The, the, the amount of content in 2003 was actually quite disappointing for that time period, because the original UT had so much in it. Yeah. That when 2003 came out, I, I remember playing it going, is, is this it? Mm. And it's like, by modern standards, it's not actually that bad a content. Like, um, no, no, not by modern standards. But then 2004 yeah, had like freaking vehicles and like three times shit. as much. Yeah. Uh, did 2003 had that um, level where you were, you know, um, fighting through the the whatever ho- the things going convoy going through the desert or whatever, right? With the giant was that in no, 2003? that was two, that was 2004 because ah, they, they okay. uh, 2003 didn't have assault mode. Assault mode, that's right. Okay, so 2004 had that, and it had the like giant truck mission or whatever, right? And all of that stuff. Oh yeah, it had the the, the giant was it was it the behemoth, the behemoth, behemoth or something? Thing? The giant the giant, giant artillery tank you had to guide through the way, and then it had that one about just getting a truck through the level, and it was a real yeah. complex level, and there was a bit of the crane, and you had to bring the car across on the crane. And that it, game was freaking crazy, man. It's awesome. Yeah, that was great. Love 2004. Uh, yeah, we had way too much fun with that thing. To the point where, like, because th- their big thing was, like, it was not the, the assault mode was kind of, like, almost not talked about. Their, their big thing was, like, their, like, I guess their battlefield mode, right? Their node-based yeah. conquest thing, and they, they pushed that really heavily. Yeah. But, Actually, assault for me was the star of the show. They're like assault was so so much fun, even if that space one is a bit jank. But <laughs> oh yeah, man, some games were better <laughs> than yeah that they are these days. Yeah, to be honest, when you think how much was in that thing and how ambitious that thing was and how successful most of it was, yeah, and then. That the vehicle team for that went on to make Rocket League. Hi oh. <laughs> oh really? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Psionics had like with were the support team for the for for two thousand four doing the vehicle stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. You can find out more about that in Danny O'Dwyer's no clip documentary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right, is that enough news? Uh, do we want to talk quickly about the Oculus thing? That they forgot to upgrade a security <laughs> certificate so everyone's Oculus stopped working? Well, yeah, uh, that's it's hilarious, but uh, it's not really that interesting. I mean, it's, no, it's, not really any, it's not really anything to talk about, it's just they, real stupid. They just didn't renew the certificate. Oh, idiots. Uh, Division 2 got announced, unsurprisingly, game announcements. 
right? Are they going to? Is it going to be New York again, one. or no one knows? All they've done is put the, put the logo <laughs> out. Did that thing make money? I assume it must have done. Yeah. Weird. There's a copy of it behind my head <laughs> for some reason. Uh, yeah, one thing of Death Punch 2 you mentioned. Zach and I are quite fans of that first one. So yeah. God knows what they're going to do with the second. Uh, and there's a new Overwatch character who is apparently a weird mix of Torbjorn and uh, Shield guy, Reinhardt. So, like, turret shielding? Certainly <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. She sounds kind of interesting. Um, a sort of weird halfway house support character. Um, and I finally got my hands on playing the, their new, what, Moira was was the last healer they added to the game. And she's, because uh, she seems to be being used all the time now by people. And it took me a while to get to grips with her, but I can understand why. She's quite powerful. Because well, um, they nerfed Mercy to shit, yeah, <laughs> so everyone had to move on. <laughs> well, playing as Mercy is it's so sad. I, can't, I, can't, I cannot play Mercy anymore. Really, she's just not. She doesn't feel viable anymore. It's a real bummer. But anyway, uh, that's news. Right, it's time for that classic section that we do every week. <laughs> Oh, every other two weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's called What You've Been Playing. <laughs> That's so, now. Let's start with you, Rob, actually. All right. Let's let's tear Recore apart. Mm. Um I finished that thing. Um and it remains an incredibly interesting experience that I cannot recommend anyone ever play. <laughs> just or at least not not up to the end. It was it seemed okay at the start when you. It seemed okay up until I got to the tower. Um, now, from previous knowledge of what people complained about that game, uh, of, of what people's you know problems were with with the end thing, it does seem like the tower's like requirements have been either stripped or dialed back quite a lot because i remember one of the early complaints was it's like that there are there are there are multiple floors in this tower and to access each one you need a certain amount of effectively the game's equivalent of moons or um shrines or whatever uh, like these prismatic cores and that you needed a certain number of those to access each floor so you'd go up to one finish the floor only to come across another gate that had a had a high requirement and then you'd have to go back into the world and do side quests and yada 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 I got to the tower with enough cores to open the door at the bottom and there was no other doors. So I think they changed that in the definitive edition. Um, so you, once you have access to the tower, you can climb it if you want. Um, I, yeah, I, I had more than enough to, to satisfy the requirement. So yay, that whole late game grind thing, not a problem for me. Um, however, once you get into the tower, you will discover the buggiest area in the game. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, it crashed multiple times. I had multiple sequence breaks. I had the way where things just wouldn't progress, um, and I was stuck and had to basically reload the floor and try it again. Um, uh, I had, yeah, uh, multiple glitches that weren't game-breaking but would actually just stop the game for about 30 seconds. Like the game would just stop, but sound would carry on. 
So if I was like being hurt by fire or something at the time, I'd have an awkward sounding loop of uh, Jewel getting hurt. Go, ooh, ah, ooh. <laughs> like well, while the game's doing nothing else. Right. <laughs> and then it would all start moving again. Um, uh, yeah, that thing really started to fall apart when you get there. Which is a, which is kind of a bummer because it also has some of the more in like, it's the also the part of the game where some of the nuance of the combat system started to become not only apparent but necessary to get through some of its challenges. And on that side of the game, I they've got some really interesting ideas. Some of this does feel like it's been thought through. Um. In that there's uh, that's on floor two and spe- specifically, there are a couple of insanely hard and long combat rooms. Basically, we just put in an environment where there's, you know, you're walled off on all sides and you've just got to fight a load of enemies for a while. But what it did is like it threw some wrinkles in. Like the the, the arena would suddenly become irradiated, so you'd be losing health constantly um, whilst battling these things, putting a time limit on it. But this was the point where I realised, oh, if I manage to extract a core during the fight, I get a chunk of health back. So that added a strategic element to it and being like, okay, I've got to, I've got to deal with these enemies in such a way that I can extract their cores in order to keep my health up. Um, mm. Interesting wrinkle. Um, but the fight was also incredibly hard that I had to actually sort of start learning how to use my robot buddy effectively in order to pull, uh, effectively to pull, pull the, um, uh, what do you call it? What was that? kiting effectively use my use my um robot my, my robot friend to kite enemies to them rather than deal with me um uh, because like the, the one of the game's biggest combat problems is that if too many enemies get get on you at once they can quite easily stun lock you in just sequences of, of attacks like you'll get hit by someone's lethal fire spreading along the floor and that causes you to stumble a bit so you're a stun lock during that time period something else can hit you causing your stun animation to repeat again Oh, no. And then another wave of fire could come, and you can get stuck and just die. Um, Lame. And that is an enormous annoyance in those these incredibly long cha- like challenges. Where if you just get stuck, you're screwed, um, and you have to do the whole fight again. Um, however, you can sort of mitigate some of that from. I mean, if you're in that situation, you're screwed. But if you if you can try and stop it from occurring in the first place by like, oh, if I swap my robot bodies, robot buddies on a particular enemy while I'm looking at a particular enemy. That and that the, my my new robot friend will will spawn out of the sky onto that enemy, therefore drawing his attention onto the guy right in front of him. Um, and then there's a cooldown before you can do it again to draw other people. Or I could uh, the guy I'm looking at, I could get my robot guy to launch his lethal at it to draw attention to him. And so then that became a nice, an interesting game of like, okay, I need the heat off me, and I need to keep this guy alive, but I also need to be swapping out my guys frequently enough so they don't get damaged too much. Um, uh, so I lose them for a while, which would be which would be a problem, um, and that stuff kind of came together. I found that really interesting, and it's like I was forced to learn that stuff, otherwise I wasn't going to get through this incredibly hard fight. But I'm kind of glad it was incredibly hard because without it, I wouldn't have learned all this neat stuff that the game actually was trying to do. Like uh, up until this point, and we're talking like yeah. 15 hours of gameplay. I hadn't really understood why I would want to swap my robot friend all that often or why I would need to use so many lethal attacks as, as uh, their specials, effectively, that are 
offered to me. I didn't quite understand it. I was never put in a scenario where I felt like I needed to engage with all of that stuff. And suddenly here I am engaging with that stuff and having to, and it makes sense. So to conclude, yeah, clever ideas, very underbaked. Damn it. Come on, guys. It's like someone in Bake Off who has a really clever flavor co- like combination, but, but, you know, yeah. the, but the cake is uncooked. <laughs> Soggy bottom. Step one is that's to what I should get. There we go. That's what, we should, that's what we should call this recall review, just Soggy Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I really found myself wanting them to have... Oh, I have to talk about the tone as well. Yeah, Zach, you know, Zach, you're on the money. That story goes nowhere. It's just a real disappointment. Like, there's like they, set, they set themselves up some really interesting things that the game never explores. Um, it's just like, hey, my dad did something. And that's pretty much all you know at the end of the game is my dad did something. They're probably all dead, but he did something. So they're sort of not dead. I don't know. The end. <laughs> kind of kind of sucks. But like tonally, I wish that game had like played it very differently because it's like the story tries to be very serious. The music is all very serious. Um, and to Gnome's ear, had a little bit of some John Williams Star Wars elements in there. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can sort of see where you're coming from. But then you've got the incredibly goofy nature of the robots and how they animate and, and how they interact with the world. Like, you get you get a flying robot that literally says "woohoo" when you when you spawn it into the world. Um, uh, you know, they they sort of like you know cartoon jank like quick animations and they get scared of things and the, and, da, da, da. and I kind of wish like the rest of the tone of the game, like both musically and from the human characters just wasn't so serious all the damn time. This game doesn't want to be taken seriously yet. There's a sort of disconnect in the, in the aesthetic. And it's like, that's a, that's a shame. You remember those trailers I quite liked like early in the day where they had the, like some cool, I don't even know what you'd call it. It was like it wasn't quite dubstep, but it wasn't like it was just sort of like some some funky electronic beats hmm. and stuff like that. Quite high process. If they had stuck with that aesthetic, I think this would have felt like a more fun, enjoyable game, even with all its problems and stuff like that. I'd, like that oppressive nature of like just two chords running through the incredibly long loading screens all the time, like the. <laughs> <laughs> just like, the, and I'm sat there for like 30 seconds just listening to that, and then you're like, or way longer than that, and so in most cases, like a good couple minutes in some some loading screens, and it's just like, uh, come on, you could have made this way more more entertaining, a bit more upbeat, and I think you'd have found your tone. Just moderate your tone slightly. Yeah. So uh, as I say, I'm I'm glad I played for it. I honestly am because it. Like when I had that revelation on floor two of the E Tower, and it was just like, oh, I can see how this comes together. That was that was a thing. It's like some, suddenly the game made a bit more sense of what they were trying to achieve, but they don't. Avoid. In conclusion, interesting, but avoid. But avoid. Thumbs down. Um. Thumbs down into that soggy bottom. <laughs> Who's in that ad for that? That is it an online casino or something where that guy yeah. just has to have his fingers in all the pies? <laughs> no, I don't watch TV, <laughs> but now I wish I did. <laughs> literal 
metaphors. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It's just a guy in like what looks like a trailer, just getting a pie out and just putting his finger in it and going, "Ooh!" And then he like tries different pies, and each time he has a different reaction. Until, until obviously at the end, he's just got a whole table full of pies that he just goes like plays a chord of pie. It's <laughs> pretty cool, lad. Shame it's for an online casino. Uh, so yeah, uh, what else have been playing? I. Uh, have a SNES Mini Classic now. Ooh. Uh, so that's a cool little thing. It's a, you know, it's quite, it's, uh, yeah, looks like it looks like an old SNES. Is quite small, fits in the palm of my hand. How's the um, uh, controller cable length? Very short. I can't sit in my couch and play that thing. <laughs> that's I annoying. To, I have to wheel my wheelie chair over there and play right up close, which in its own weird way, it has a, like a nostalgia factor. It's like <laughs> I'm having to sit close to the telly to do this. Um, That's weird. But yeah, that that thing needs longer cables, um, for sure. And like uh, several extra feet. Um, but it's a cool little thing. It's a well made, uh, well made little device. Like the 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 uh, the menus are nice and slick and easy to get around. It's got save states, uh, and um, you know the controller feels. I don't think it's made of the, of the same sort of plastic as it once was. It feels a little bit more matte than the mm. sort of smoothness I remember from the original SNES controllers. Um, but then I didn't play all that SNES back in the day. Mm. Um, uh, so it's like this is... Uh, in, in a way, this is like my window to a past uh, I didn't have. Yeah, the alternative like, dimension where you're yeah. a Nintendo, not Sega person. So there's like pretty much all of the games on this thing I've never really sunk any real time into. Uh, and that includes, you know, big classics. Like I've never spent that much time with Super Mario World. I've never spent any time with Super Metroid, which Zach was very World. excited I should play. <laughs> well, because yeah. he kept saying you should play it. And there was a time when we considered whether we were going to do it on video or something. Mm. I'm still up for that, in fairness. Like we could we could go through some retro. Even here. slightly more legitimate. <laughs> well, yes. Because yeah. in fairness, we never you know, yeah, we never owned a snares or any of the games on it. So it's uh yeah, now we technically do. Um, I played Super Mario World on the Game Boy Advance. That was yeah. pretty good. Oh right. Pretty good. It was amazing. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. That game is way harder than I expected. Like I'm up to the Forest of Illusion now, on that, and so I'm having to. Yeah, I'm at the point where I need to find some some different exits. I'm stuck, <laughs> and, um, and and try and figure out how to get out of there. And I know that there's 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 a few levels where I haven't found their secret exits on the way, um, but that one in in particular, oh, yeah, I, I haven't located what I need to do. But uh, uh, you know, the the plus side is is the um, the the snares allows me to save scum it. So, you know, I, I imagine that GBA version was a little bit easy. I don't know how the save system actually works because I've never run out of lives, but I imagine you can just go back to the map at some point or go back yeah. to a point some distance behind because it doesn't save after every level. Like it saves at specific points, um, it seems like. But yeah, you get full state, save state control on this thing, so you can scum it, which I'm loving. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's That's like cool. oh, I lost. I lost a few too many lives. I want to try that again. Or it, it it was better going into this level with a Yoshi. Let me try that um, again. 
see if I can find the secret exit. Uh, yeah, so the, the, this, this lets you do all that. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I want to enjoy what people loved about these games more than I want to be challenged by them, I think, at the moment. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? I want yeah, to sure. uh, I I enjoy them for what they are. And I am enjoying Super Mario World. I think it's, it, it's, it's weird because in many ways it's actually quite a trolley game you know there are things that there are moles that will pop out of the floor if you're just running along and it's like oh god damn it yeah i didn't know that was there and it's just killed me and it's uh it's mean uh in a way that i didn't really expect trolley Um, is right yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's i can i can see where mario maker is more of a you know where some of its uh more dastardly nature actually comes from now because this game is quite dastardly. <laughs> it's surprising. I, I I didn't think Nintendo, even old Nintendo, I didn't really think it was in them to make something. I mean, obviously, like this. Mario Brothers Two, the Japanese one, was the ultimate. Trial, sure, right? lost levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that was its in, that was its intention. Yeah, know, to, to just be mean. Um, uh, yeah, so it's it's cool. It's cool. I'm definitely, definitely going to plow through through this a bit more. Uh, yeah, I want to see it through to the end. I don't know if I'll find every secret route necessarily, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll at the very least finish it. I'll do as much as I can. Um, and the only other thing I've really played on it uh, is I did a little bit of Super Punch Out while Zach was here next time because I've never played a Punch Out game either. Um, none of them, uh, not even the NES Classic or the uh, or what is actually quite you know well regarded Wii version. Uh, so yeah, but Super Punch Out was the one I know very little about, and uh, yeah, that game's cool as well. It's um, it's more about pattern recognition and mm. stuff like that. You know, that is that, pretty much all that game is. But it is even when you think you've figured out what the patterns are, it's still challenging to actually actually act on on them because I don't know, I I'm not very disciplined in my button mashing. <laughs> Uh, it's generally the thing. It takes me a long time to learn that stuff, even if I do play fighting games every now and then and things like that. I'm still bad at them because I like to mash. Because uh, I go, oh, God, panic, push the buttons. Um, uh, and I very much need to get out of that habit with this. Um, certain tactics will work sometimes, but they won't work all of the time. You've got to learn your opponent. And it's kind of cool. I kind of like it. It's got a good style to it. It's slightly too much orchid but you know that's <laughs> classic yeah that's has that a cool thing game. got um pilot wings on it that was a weird game it doesn't no oh that's a shame uh, well not that much of a shame but pilot wings was weird it is weird but i don't think it would like i think it's probably wise that they didn't put on there because yeah it was uh, that and f-zero were like the first uh, I want to say the first like mode seven. Yeah, they probably stuff they put on there. Yeah, uh, and I don't. Well, well, F Zero is on here, which I'll, oh, right. I, okay. Again, I've never really played the original all that much, so I'm going to play that. Um, uh, but you know, there's th- those two. I think were super early mode seven examples, and then Super Mario Kart came along, mm. um, and made more of a thing of it, which it, which is on there, so you can play Mario Kart. Um, cool. Uh, which might be fun. Never played a great deal of that back in the day either. Um, yeah, it's a cool thing. And, and I'm, I'm actually I'm pacing myself a little bit because I really, really want to play 
Star Fox properly. Right, yeah. Not not Star Fox 2. I'm actually not that fussed about Star Fox no, 2. but Star Fox. But the yeah. original Star Fox. Because, uh, again, I've spent next to no time with that. Oh, really? And... I played a, quite a, played a bit of Star Fox back in the day. I can't remember. Oh, really? I think my cousins had it or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because no, it's I... such a short game that, you know, you can yeah. get through it. And uh, I remember actually playing through it. I probably yeah, died it, at the end, but yeah. But it is supposed to be, you know, yeah, it's one of those, and it's not very long, but quite challenging. Like, yeah, you know, the first yeah. time I played Lilith Wars on the N64, I finished it the first time I played it and thought, really, that's it? And But then, but it's only then that you get into the depth of, like, how you figure oh, out yeah. the other routes and all the other complications and getting better at it, and it's like, like that is Star Fox's strength. And I'm I'm really interested to see what started it all, um, even if it's probably garbage to play. <laughs> I'd, it's, I'd, it's probably okay. I yeah. don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, Lilith Wars is one of my favorite games of all time. And so it's easily. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm hyped for Star Fox. It will probably make up for zero. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Snow's Classic. It's a cool thing. I haven't got it out of the box, but it does come with a second controller, Zach, if we ever want to do some of the two-player stuff, like Contra. <laughs> and, you know, maybe it's it's got the American Final Fantasy 3 on there, which, as it turns out, is Final Fantasy 6. We were right about that. Right. Um, and Final Fantasy 6 is a good one, and, and one I've spent, like, 19 hours on in the past on the PlayStation version, but never actually finished it. So, you know, I might revisit that. It's You know, 6 is supposed to be, like... For some people, is the best one. Um, mm. It's a cool thing. Good selection of games. Oh, Donkey Kong Country! I never played Donkey Kong Country. Oh wow! Want to want to play that? Um, That's probably quite hard to play. If anything, the the thing I've played the most of on here is probably Super Mario World Two, right? Yoshi's Island. That's Yoshi's probably Island, the, yeah. that, that's probably the one I've played the most of. Um, because Zach got obsessed with it on emulator. I seem to remember. Yeah, he did. NGBA. Oh yeah, yeah. And it is one of the prettiest games of that era. Yeah, it looks great. And I'm often reminded of it because on the Boncast, it's always funny that Jeff gets so annoyed about it. Seems to hate it it so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really good game. Um, Yeah, so I'm 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 loving this thing at the moment. It's a it's filling in the gaps of my childhood, I suppose. Love it. What a cool thing. Um, Sweet. But there is something else I'm playing. Oh, no, very quickly. Uh, sorry, yeah, before I get into this other thing. Uh, Forza Horizon 3 Hot Wheels. What a cool idea. <laughs> I've, only, I've only just started playing that, but what a cool idea. <laughs> that thing is awesome. <clears throat> uh, that's all I want to say right now. I'll play a bit more of it, and then... <laughs> But yeah, I just hopped into the first few few events of it. And it's like that. It's like it's like taking a, a silly what would be a what would what would be a bad Xbox Live arcade game, but putting it in a AAA product, and it still being cool. It's cool. Um, I'll come back to that though. Some okay. other time. Because yesterday I kind of binged half of Gears of War 4. Oh. Where did that come from? You decided to get it on 
Was it on a sale or something? Or uh, no, um, I'm with the mobile operator three for my phone, and Wound Two, which is their weird sort of like um, benefits thing. Uh, thing, said, "Here, have a month of Game Pass." Yeah. The Xbox Game Pass. So sweet. I was like, sweet, I'll have that. And Gears yeah. of War 4 recently just became part of Game Pass. So it's like, okay, let's do this. Uh, and additionally, just to make it uber cool, it's like I thought, oh, now I've got Game Pass. I wonder what will happen if I look at the Windows Store. Oh, apparently I own Gears of War 4. I'll play it on PC then. <laughs> oh, sweet. So I don't think it's supposed to work. But in my case, it totally does. Uh, I have Game Pass and I can play Gears of War 4 on PC as a result. Um, which may be a good sign for Sea of Thieves. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so I'm, playing, I'm, I'm playing the PC version of that, which has the benefit of... Um, I don't think the, Xbox, the original Xbox version would play the campaign at 60 frames per second or anything like that. I think that was locked no. to a hard 30 and the multiplayer was allowed to go to 60. Um, uh, but on PC, obviously, like all bets are off. You can run it how you like. Yeah. Um, and straight off the bat, obviously, I went to the options menu to see what it was doing. Like you know, before you get started, make sure everything's set up right. Yeah. Um, it does a really, really good job of explaining to you what each option does and what impact it might have on your experience. Uh, like, just might be one of the best option systems I've ever seen in a PC video game. Mm, impressive. Like, and, and I know that's not. Really, you know, that's a bit. It's a bit strange. You know, it's not really important to most people this stuff. But uh, you know, it just like you can go down to each option. It give you a description of what that option does. Yeah, usually you that, have to go to like some some guide that someone's put together on Tom's hardware to try and figure yeah, out what yeah. each option does. And uh... yeah, it gives you it gives you a nice little description. And not only that, but it has like a little color coded like, oh, this is going to be bad on your CPU. This is going to be bad on your GPU. Or this is going to have no problem at all on your RAM or something like that, and like like this is a this is a heavy GPU load option. You you know this is a heavy CPU load option. It goes into that detail if you want it, and it's like this is actually really interesting. So if my Sweet. GPU was the weak point in my system and I knew that, I could tailor the options to 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 not load the load the C, the GPU, but perhaps I'm okay with setting more CPU intensive tasks, and it's. That's that's a neat idea. I can get behind that. That's that's cool. Um, not that I needed to tinker with any of it because it set most of it to ultra automatically. Sweet. <laughs> and it was just like you have uh, an insane computer. Yeah, there were there were a couple of options that had an insanity setting uh, above above ultra, but it did it did warn me, and it's like no no seriously, use with caution. These these are hardcore, and it's like I can probably do without. So yeah. I'm running it on. Turn the so trash effects on, would... off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although I did play for all of Tom- Tomb Raider with that turned on. Oh, really? Um, yeah. It was good tech. Um, ran like crap, but it was good tech. Um, uh, the uh, uh, Yeah, so, so it said it all out. I'm running it at 1080. Um, I've been playing it on my TV uh, at 60 frames per second, and it has never skipped a beat. Um, and it's well, a I... really good-looking game. Mm. Like uh, it's it's yeah it's it's a really good looking game. <laughs> it's uh, it, it it basically like it, they 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 have taken all of what it it is a replication of of the original gears look and feel, um, and in a way perhaps it wasn't too difficult to make that modern uh, from the three sixty look to the to the to the new look, but 
uh, it's crisp. The texture detail is excellent. The model detail is excellent. The shadow detail is excellent. Um, it's, it even supports um, subsurface scattering, so skin tones look really nice and things like that. It's a, it's, it's a, pr- a you know, properly good-looking game like in, in, in that sort of old Gears tradition, I suppose. So, so, so good on them for, for a really decent PC version. Um, technically, the game itself is a shadow of Gears. Yeah. Uh, I think we kind of knew that when we saw the trailer for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it plays like Gears, but to a fault, if you know what I mean. It is, it is, it is so much just Gears so far. And I'd like to say I'm about, I'm about halfway through. I'm like towards the end of Act 3, which is a really long act, as it turns out, and it's a five-act thing, um, just like the originals all were. Um, and it's, uh, I don't know, it, 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 I don't think it does enough interesting with how you fight the combat. The combat scenarios are a little bit too much like the classic shooting gallery thing, right? You get behind a knee-high wall, yeah, pull left trigger to pop up, shoot at some things. Oh, they've ducked behind the wall, so you duck behind the wall. You wait for them to pop up again, so you can shoot them. And you know, it's just just that ballet. Not not really a lot of movement going on, flanking and stuff. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't even find myself doing that all that much. You know, just waiting for people to show their heads so I can shoot them. Right. And you know, your your AI companions are somewhat competent, so you can actually just trust on them really to do a fairly decent job on their own of popping outside the wall on occasion. Um, if you tend, if you get hurt, they do a pretty decent job of coming to you almost immediately to revive you because you know that's in there, like just like it is in the co-op and stuff like that. Um, it's it's gears, and it's hard to. What about the it, enemies? I mean, so most of the what I've played through, so I've only really like interestingly, Act Three is kind of about rediscovering minor spoilers i suppose uh, but effectively rediscovering a locust like enemy mm. um they are pretty much the locust um but they refer to as the swarm now um uh, and and but like up to that point you're fighting uh cog robots because you're sort of going against the cog in this game um as jd phoenix um and uh, yeah, just, JT Phoenix. Yeah, that's, that's your name. You're Marcus Phoenix's son. It's time for it's the JD, JD JD Power Survey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's your fight, fighting robots most of the time, which I want to say Binary Domain did better. You know, they let that add a more satisfying. Like you blow parts off them and they go all sparky and stuff and like that. It's, and they're clearly not French enough. They're definitely not French enough. Um, <laughs> And they all have the same voice, you know, because of course they would. But they, you know, their voice is quite booming and loud and overtakes everything. So they're like, "It's commencing reload," and like, it's a really sort of like almost overly perky voice. And it's, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, your your resistance has been noted, <laughs> and uh, things like that. It's a it's a little wearisome. They're just not as uh, you know, Gears, Gears does better when it's throwing some gore at you. <laughs> Honestly, like, yeah, so, for sure. Uh, awesome. You know, the enemies like, were a little more emotion or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
And they were a little more. I haven't seen any emulsion so far, actually. And um, they were a little more reactive, I suppose. You know, you shot them in the legs, and they'd stumble a bit, and things like that. The robots don't really. Um, so you know, they're they're a little dull. Um, more predictable, I suppose, because it meant they could put like simpler AI on them, so they're not quite as clever as the swarm in terms of their movements. And maybe that's good for the first start of the game, but uh, yeah, they're not they're not that cool. <laughs> Which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, they throw in some some new enemies as a result of these. Like you've got some um, uh, some flying things with shields, so you need to take their shields down and then shoot them, and then concentrate fire whilst they're vulnerable, and they can, they can have sort of like minigun attacks on you, or occasionally throw the odd throw the odd rocket as well. So, um, and if you're if you manage to get your team perfectly flanking it, then obviously you can shoot behind the shield. So there's there you know there's some interesting stuff there, and they make a really ridiculous horn noise when they enter the battlefield they're like Wah! <laughs> it's like okay there's one of those about um, okay announcing their presence <laughs> yeah uh and then there's these weird ball things that are kind of the equivalent of the of the i forget what they were called like imps or whatever they were from from the original series where they they would just yeah oh no more like the tickers do you remember that they were called tickers weren't they in like gears of war 3 or something where these little roach things would come up to you and just explode yeah. Um, um, yeah, they're basically that, but they're like robot balls. Um, yeah. So yeah, the robot stuff not not as cool. I much prefer fighting the locust. And yeah, sure enough, you get to get to do some of that. And there's some new bad guys there, and those finally do force you to move around a bit more. And so that's a little bit more dynamic. Um, but almost like highlights like old gear problems, and that you have to move within the confines of its movement system. And uh, you know, there's no, there's no such thing as climbing. <laughs> you know, that's just not a thing, really. Right? Yeah. So, like you can vault over knee-high stuff, and that's it. Like you've still some... got the uh, roadie run going on. Yeah, still, still roadie run. Um, <laughs> there, you know, there are there are some new abilities. Like you can, uh, like there's the the yank and execute is now a thing. So you can like grab someone over a wall and then and then knife them. But you're vulnerable while you do that because uh, you're just standing up knifing someone. Um, or there's you can you can now sort of I, I think you could do this in the original ones as well, but it was a bit more automatic. But now you have to do an action or something to get it right. Where if you vault over something and there's someone on the other side, you can sort of take them down on the way, which I've yeah. never never been able to pull off. I don't quite know how how to do it. I must have need to go back and read that tooltip or something. Um, yeah, so it's gears ultimately, and if you want that, fine, you're going to get that. Um, but the biggest problem is these new characters, they they ain't got nothing on the old cast. Well, they're not the Coltrane. <laughs> they, they are not the Coltrane. <laughs> but not even that. They're not the, the you know, they don't have that Marcus Santiago um Bond thing going on that was cool with you don't have the snark you don't have snarky bed. Um you've you've got JD, you've got Dell as token black guy. Which I'm sorry I have to say that, but that that basically seems to be his role. He has no personality, no story. He's just there, and you've got Kate as the daughter of the captured civilian settlement person, who I think was a character from the first game, but I'm not from the first series, but I'm not sure. Um, uh, who's also not all that interesting. Uh, and but JD might be the worst offender of all because it sounds like they're really trying to nail that Nathan Drake slash Nathan Fillion thing, mm. and don't. 
and do not. Yeah. So, and to be honest, Act Two was quite nice because Marcus is there. So you get that gruff annoyedness the entire time. Oh, cool. Okay, so he's back. But but, but you're not playing. But he's only there for and spoilers. He's only there for Act Two, as far as I can tell. Right. Um, and uh, and you're not playing as him. You know, right. he's he's yeah. around, but so you still get some Marcusness, which is cool. But yeah, and I think I think this is making me realize quite what I you know, and I think I remember talking about this a little bit at the time of the first few Gears games. It's like this. There was something about that first Gears game, how it was, whilst not, you know, looking back at it, it's not all that mechanically complex. Um, but there's there's something about the fact that it was like just four guys having the worst day, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Just, 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 just living through Emergence Day and it being it being a bad scene, and uh, and you know, it's more about the writing between them almost than it is the gameplay. Looking back on it, it's like even though what they're saying isn't all that insightful or clever, there was a dynamic there, mm. um, uh, and 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 I dug that. Um, and with that gone, it feels like there's a, there's a, there's just a big old hole. Also, the world doesn't make any sense anymore. Well, no, like it never made <laughs> a whole, tied up a trilogy, made that much then sense. That's where you have to make up bullshit. Well, yeah, because I mean, the it's the same thing, thing with tying up the trilogies and with inventing new en- enemies. It's kind of the same situation as Halo Four, right? Yeah, well, I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, it makes even less sense, I think, than Halo because. There seems to be this thing. So, do you remember the trailers where they went? They were having a fight in the wind, which made no physics sense anyway. Um, because as soon as people died, they'd like flip. Oh off. yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> um, so that seems to be that's a really big part of this, and they call them wind flares, and they happen like all the time, as it turns out. Um, wind flare, uh, <laughs> wind flare, yeah. <laughs> everyone uh, starts battling. Uh, like, big, big ridiculous storms and. But the thing I don't get about them is, okay, so yeah, the story hinges on them because the Kolga are trying to build these new settlements that have like giant walls that like protect them from the wind when it hits and stuff like that. But I'm wondering like, what the hell is the rest of the world doing? And like, and you're visiting these places that seem mostly fine, but of course a wind flare comes and then tears them apart conveniently while you're there. Well, then, and it's like, you're, you're visiting your dad's... Really, like quite a recent thing though. Maybe. But the, because, you know... But it would have to be like... like but it would have to be like super recent, given their frequency and the amount of stuff that's not already messed up. Like you go to Marcus's house, and yeah, his house is kind of messed up, but there's bits of it that are like pristine. Like he has a greenhouse with tomatoes in it and stuff, and that's all fine. And they're like, they're like, we'll, we'll just go to the barn. The barn's the safest place. It will, it holds during a wind flare. It totally doesn't hold. The whole thing gets destroyed like immediately. And it's like, and it's just like, how does this? How does any of this work? How is all? The, how how are the wind flares following us? Unless that's a plot point. I don't know. <laughs> Or they're just spreading. Yeah. I don't know. At, at the moment, it just feels like this world doesn't make sense. <laughs> How would this entirely wooden settlement survive a wind flare? <laughs> like... Anyway. Right. I'm having, a, I'm having an okay time with it. Let's put it that way. I did manage to... I didn't really want to put it down. And I played like nearly five hours of it yesterday. It's because there aren't that many shooters these days. It seems. I guess. Yeah. You know, it's like if you've if you've got a really good looking PC shooter, 
you're going to play it, aren't you? Like, uh, even if the, 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 you know, the story and all the things that used to matter a lot more, yeah, you know, are, are lame. And ultimately, like, you know, for all the fact that I think it is Gears and Gears is mechanically simple these days, it is still Gears. And like, and I haven't played a Gears game in a long, long time. Hmm. So that's working for me. Um, uh, you know, chunky dudes hiding behind Everyone is super chunky still. Like, well, there's, there's no small dude in that game. Everyone is massive. Um, <laughs> I, kind, I kind of love the stupidity and its style. And yeah, you know, I, I do think it's lost its soul, though, I guess is where, where I'm coming from. Like, even certain aspects of like the music, like, it hasn't got that like music sting from the originals. Do you remember that sort of like, and things like this? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember. But, yeah, it was very distinctive. Yeah, and it's like, it doesn't really. It, I mean, it's still got the guitar noise that plays at the end of a fight, which which I love. You know, that sort of when you yeah. finish a finish an encounter, it's still got that. But cool. like, it's it's music design is 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 and general ambience. Is yeah, had quite a lot of on the original series. Yeah, yes, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It definitely had atmosphere, especially that first one when you it was starts to get dark and everything, and the krill oh, the are going act, around act. everywhere. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The act two was the krill, and but for me, the standout moment in the original was act three, where it's all dark and rainy because a you'd never really seen an oh, effect yeah. like that in that a game awesome. before. Yeah, but that whole level is really well paced in terms of like a horror film. You know, yeah, it's yeah, kinda, yeah. It's 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 that's a cool thing. Is that um, the one where you end up going down into the like emulsion pits and everything, and everything's? I think it might shit. have been your first your first trip down there. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I liked the earlier though in in Act Two, end of Act Two. Is it like the uh, the like petrol station, the gas station thing where you had to defend? Or something oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, was tough. T- that was tough. And then you got the stupid car thing or whatever. But and you mm. had to, and that was like a stupid mini game where you had to like. Pre- be in the light and stuff or did it was is that right uh Something. that was pretty much all about too yeah all stay of, yeah. in the light because <laughs> the krill the will get you yeah but, i mean yeah it's kind of, it was cool it, it had a lot of atmosphere that game mm. even though the story wasn't like and the world didn't have that much depth like a like a half-life or a or a, or a metal gear or something there wasn't that much no. to it but no but it had, i think that worked in the first game's favor because yeah. it's just four guys having a bad day no one really exactly. knew what was going on at all exactly and yeah. that that kind of works and they do try and do that again here because they don't know what the swarm is like or what they what they've stumbled upon things are different enough that they don't think it's the locust though they look a lot like locust um that there's there's something else going on, and they try and play that card again, and it doesn't work, or it doesn't hit as hard. It's like you know, you can't. I don't know if you can do that whole "we're having a bad day" thing a second time necessarily. I don't know. It, it's 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 not as good, but it is making reminding me of what I liked about Gears, which is not which isn't a bad thing. Hmm. Uh, that's me. Cool. Sorry, uh, I gabbed on for a long time there. I know, but I had some. That's okay. We're out of time. Some... But anyway, yeah, we've got yeah. a game. We've got a game to talk about. So, yeah, Zeg, what have you been playing? Well, some patches came out that I was waiting for, but I haven't actually, I haven't actually gone back to some North Korea, even though that did get patched. So now you <laughs> can get the last two achievements. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll get round to doing that. Maybe. Uh, patch also came there that I was waiting for for Factorio, so I went back to that some more and actually played the new stuff in the new version. 
actually played it long enough to get to the new stuff in the new version. <laughs> right. The artillery turret and whatnot. Does it change all that much? It's kind of cool. I mean, it's not as ridiculous as I initially thought it was going to be, which was the sort of a disappointment then when I actually built it. And I was like, oh, this doesn't have quite as ridiculous range as I initially suspected. It's quite long, but not that far. And you can't, there is like technology you can research to increase its range, but only after you've launched the rocket. So essentially, after you finish the game, it's in the infinite research category of when the ridiculous end game stuff that's not really part of the game exactly. It's for the crazy people who like to build mega bases and all that. Hmm. But by default, it's still fairly, fairly useful. Although it's really, without the research to extend the range, the default is better when it's the train mounted version of the artillery because then you can just move the train oh, of course. <laughs> right 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 that makes sense it's like oh, i need i need to sort the range out for this thing so i'll just move it <laughs> yeah you can just build a station and just have it go there and and then shoot and it's automatic as well technically you could it's slightly weird because it has an automated range and like a manual range and the manual range is like much longer than the automated range hmm. although i don't know i don't know how much longer because it shows the automated range on the map overlay like here's the circle but it doesn't tell you how far the non-automated range is. Right. So like it's somewhere like, you can just click on the map and shoot at it. It's hella expensive though. Yeah, I'm just like this, I'm just thinking this is kind of a cool idea. This whole like track-mounted artillery thing is that really? I don't know. Like uh, in an automated way or in a way that you design. I don't know if that's been a thing in a game before. Really, has it? Like I don't, it sounds like a really neat sort of. Maybe it's me overthinking it a little bit, but I kind of would think that that's a really cool base building yeah thing that well it's because it's like the idea of like the reason i guess it's the reason it's cool in factorio is because it means you don't have to just build an entire wall across the entire continent and put turrets along every inch of the goddamn wall sure in order to stop the enemies coming in (laughs) you basically have a mobile defense point i mean it's not for the same thing as the turrets really what it actually does is because it targets the enemy bases it clears out or the spawners in the ring, and because of the way your pollution aggroes the enemies, if the enemies are not inside your pollution cloud, then they basically don't attack you any longer. So the whole point of the artillery is you just clear out the zone so you don't have to wall it off any longer because the artillery automatically clears out any new bases that spawn. Mm. So you can not have to worry about having a literal defensive wall around every inch of your territory. And that's why it's good in Factorio, because then you because that was always the problem with, particularly in like the death world where the enemies are the main, <laughs> the enemies just cover every goddamn inch of the map in death world. Now you can have a way to create a safe zone that doesn't require you to build an entirely cross-continental wall and have turrets all over. It. Sure, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of nice. It does still require you to implement some amount of defense because. Although it will shoot at the spawners from miles away, as soon as the as soon as the spawners get shot, every enemy that's in the vicinity will automatically know where the artillery turret is right. and will just come to it. So I've made a blueprint for that, where it's just like it's basically a train station inside a wall with the artillery turret and then like turrets around the edge. So you just plot that down wherever you need it to go. Send the train with the artillery wagon on, trundle up there, take a shot. And then after you're done clearing out the zone, disassemble it, or just leave that station there for it to, for an automatic system where it goes to every one of the train stations. And of course, because of the way the automatic train system works, you can it like 
the process of the artillery firing is classed as activity. So when you're using the train or like the train conditional weight system, you can just say it, one of the options used to is has always been so many seconds of inactivity, hmm. which is normally used for inserters putting stuff into wagons. Right. But, but because they've set it for the artillery to also trigger that condition, you can have it so that basically you fully automatically have the artillery train drive to a station. If there's nothing in range, then it automatically just moves on to the next one. Oh, I see. So it's doing a... Okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. So it's effectively got a patrol route in a way. Yeah, to keep, to keep an area clear without you having to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, very useful for late game. Expensive. You're basically firing a goddamn radar with every shot, which is silly, but <laughs> you have to make that artillery shell pretty expensive for such a late game technology. But it is literally a radar. You make a radar and you put it in there. <laughs> the artillery shell is made of like a radar, some explosives, and some extra steel. <laughs> okay. Because the artillery shots also actually were the. I mean, you could argue for like. They, you know, you'd need some kind of tracking or whatever for long range artillery. So maybe you have a radar per shot or whatever. But they also actually reveal the map <laughs> as oh, the artillery cool. bullets are flying. Right. I was going to ask. It's like, so, so are these these are these revealing things to you as they fly? And it's like, oh, okay, no, they are. All right. Which is maybe slightly weird in like because it 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 will shoot at enemy bases that you don't necessarily know where they are. Like the turret knows where the enemy bases are, but they're not necessarily visible to you because, like, because of the way the radar scans the map over time, the mm. enemies could have formed a new base that on a sector that you haven't recently scanned, but the artillery turret will still find it. Oh <laughs> uh, right, that that's probably a bug. Well, not really. It's just like a lazy way of programming it, yeah. <laughs> more than a bug. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the like the classic thing is like surely like if it's in your fog of war or whatever, that's when the turret should be able to see it. Like. Before that, like, why does the turret know it's there? Yeah, maybe. It would make it less convenient. I mean, really, the way to fix that is just rework the way radar works rather than the way the artillery turret works, because the, wo- the, the way it scans in chunks over time is way too slow to be useful, and also radar in Factorio is generally way too short-range to be useful. <laughs> like, the actual area it reveals continuously rather than the scanned area is almost completely uselessly tiny <laughs> mm. and the scanned area is too slow to be useful so you either have to build radars everywhere or a huge pile of radars in one space so the scan speed of them all combines basically <laughs> so I think if they reworked the radar it would just be a better option mm. to excuse the way the turret can find bases that technically you haven't seen yet <laughs> so there's that and there's even been another patch for Dwarf Fortress for having to continue playing that. Another so, one? Yes, another bug-fixing patch. And some new stuff. You can you can now go and raid sites out, you know, outside of your fortress. You can send squads out off the map to go and raid them and, and demand tribute and stuff. Hmm. Steal all their shit. Because <laughs> why not? Assassin's contract. Yeah, exactly. And then, obviously, as we said, we uh, I was going to play it into the breach after it came out, and then made videos of it, which I've only uploaded two of so far. But there's more of them. There are on YouTube. Check them out. 
on our YouTube channel. Yep. Just type yeah. Happy Salad into YouTube and you will get some Into the Breach goodness from Zeg. <laughs> probably. You probably actually won't see those videos. You'll probably see a bunch of other videos that have way more views. You'll probably see Magnum Opus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You see them if you go to the latest videos on our channel. Well, if you go to the channel, yes. <laughs> but I mean, if you search for Happy Sounds on YouTube, I bet the Into the Breach ones won't turn up. Okay. I bet, we, I bet we don't turn up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna try it. I did have a weird moment. You, you guys carry on. I'm gonna try it. I did have a <laughs> when I uploaded the first Into the Breach video. I tried on my personal YouTube account. I tried searching for it to see if I could find it, and for some reason, it wasn't appearing even in a fairly specific search. And I was like, mm. "Well, that's weird and disappointing." Damn you, YouTube! <laughs> yeah, your funny search. But, you know, unlike at Opus Magnum, where the video got um, quite a lot of views compared to most of our videos. The Into Breach one has got virtually none because way more people made videos of Into the Breach on launch day. As it turns out, what a surprise. Well, I get Shatter as the top one. Yeah, boy, this search is weird. And then Worms United. Man, Shatter is like one one of the first videos on (laughs) our channel. So our channel appears third on the list because there's someone called Almost Happy Salad that's (laughs) got more videos. And then there's someone doing the Ice Bucket Challenge. Okay, great. Called Happy Salad Rito. Uh, and then there's and then there's our channel. And then there's something about actual salad. And then <laughs> exactly. the, and then the, and then there's Shatter <laughs> and Worms United. Worms well, United because it's yeah. like high view count. But yeah, Shatter. What's that about? Um, and then there's a few more weird Worms things. Too. <laughs> and then Snapshot and Kerbal. Yep. All of our uh, ancient videos. Yeah, why is it putting the really old stuff? And then Beat Buddy. Sonic well, Generations. At least not as old. And then, yeah, it's, it's a weird... And then Flat Out. That's that the our, worst our, video. Our worst video. That should just yeah. be deleted. Yeah, I should probably probably should get rid of that. Sonic Adventure Part 3, for some reason. <laughs> Final Fantasy 7 Part 30, and then FTL. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. this is weird. Yeah, the search weird. order is not right. Like you know, yeah, you'd expect we 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 should. It should put like Mag, Magnum Opus right up there in well, you theory. Should, but... You would hope that it would put the most recent videos in there. Maybe not necessarily always always by default put the most recent videos, but yeah, <laughs> you expect them to be on like the first page, maybe. Anyway, into the breach. Videos yeah. are available. What do you think Doesn't of it, Zeg? Doesn't work nearly as well if you act, if you follow its suggestion to have happy inside with a space. No, yeah, then then doesn't work. <laughs> um, well, it's a pretty good game, I guess. It's a pretty good game. You guess. It's like it. FTL was hard. I remember FTL being quite hard, but well, yeah, FTL, FTL was, was balls hard. hard. Yeah, I never finished it. Yeah, so this is also hard. <laughs> I but would not say as hard. It's way easier than FTL overall. Do you think? Hmm. Yeah, I'm finding it quite tough. I, I, mean, I think, a, I mean, for a start, the last boss is piss easy in, <laughs> into the breach compared to the last boss of FDL. Right. Yeah. Yeah. With FDL, you had to kind of prepare, right? You had to kind of know what was coming, really. Well, yeah. In FDL, you you actually had to make a build, and you had to know like what mainly like there there was there was different ways to solve the last boss yes. problem, but you had to know what those were and you had to figure ahead to be like, which one of these could I aim to do? It's like, if I'm going to go teleporter, I have to kind of commit to going teleporter quite early on in order to upgrade the teleporter by the time I get to the last boss and have upgraded crew and whatever. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I feel like in Into the Breach, pretty much, I'm not sure if it's actually 
doing something secretive on like on purpose but i feel like no matter what you're doing it always always becomes viral and i feel like in the shops at the end of each island you often get like equipment that actually synergizes with what you already have like Uh, more often than it would randomly or it feels like to me that's quite kind of quite nice though i don't know it's really I mean, frustrating could... seeing stuff that's, that's totally the opposite of what you want, right? In yeah. the FTL I mean, shops. It, yeah. And I don't know whether that is, whether it is actually doing that or whether it just seems like it. Mm. <laughs> whether I've just coincidentally just lucky. got things that were good. Or maybe, like, the maybe things in general just have more than one synergy or whatever. So things that I think are like synergizing with what I already have will just synergize with several things. Man, yeah, I played a lot of the different squads already. Oh, you've played all the way. I mean, I've only played like I've only had one little session on it, so I'm only sort of learning the basics. Basically, I'm still screwing up quite a lot on the first island, but played a few times. The thing thing that I found weird about when I was watching early reviews and impressions of that game is like a lot of a lot of people focused on the like pushing enemies around because that is like. Well, it's the primary mechanic of the first squad, and it is yes. still quite important for the other squads, but not as like primary mechanic as it is in the first squad. Right. Well, because they all push things in the first squad, right? Don't they? Yeah. yeah. They have three different versions of push, basically. So I, I'm not very good at the pushing. Like I'm okay, but then, uh, then I, at least twice I've pushed. For, I, I've been stupid and pushed a guy who was attacking a city so that he attacks it just another city it's yeah. like what am i doing <laughs> the, oh, thing that all, the, the thing that always gets me is pushing people into cities because it's way too easy yeah to you can't when you're doing an attack that pushes and it pushes them in the direction of a city the city still takes damage and it's like that doesn't actually help the other thing i need to learn that i haven't yet is that for some reason i keep making the mistake thinking that every every enemy attack deals one damage and of course it doesn't like i'm like well, oh they can take one hit there the and then game, they die yes. and i'm like oh fuck <laughs> in the early game a lot of stuff does one damage yeah so i was just assuming i, w- I was gonna have one damage when i didn't look properly and then i got like airstrike to death or something instantly or I like really Really, the only thing that doesn't do one damage in the early game is the leapers, those like mantis things that only have one hit point, but they do free damage. Mm. Most yeah. of the other stuff only does one until you get the alpha versions of the enemies, and then everything starts doing free damage. <laughs> at so, least, I I haven't worked out the strategy for where to place my guys at the start. I don't know if it matters that much, but I saw I seemed I think I'm. I try to pick the right places, I think, but then it always, I don't know, the enemies can move quite far, so I usually screw it. I'm not sure what you're supposed to do, like space them apart, or... It can depend on the layout of the the actual level layout. Yeah. I've definitely seen situations where people have been completely boned by there being like a line of buildings and they put all their units on one side of the line so they didn't really have a path to get round to the other side. Yeah, because you can get blocked quite easily because it's not very many tiles, really. And the other thing that people I've, is a habit that I had to get out of as well that you often see people do is like treating the artillery as though it were an artillery unit that has to be protected in the rear. Because it doesn't really. It, it's no. just as useful to be... Actually, it's almost more useful to be at the front line so you can get a shot along the line, basically, instead of from the rear 
instead of moving instead of moving yourself left to right at the rear to fire at an enemy, you want to move in line with them and shoot across that way. It's still equally viable, and yeah. there's no like there's no concept of it's not like the artillery unit is like more mushy or anything it still has i mean normally it has lower hit points, it has slightly it less hit points right it doesn't start, right? like have it's not like a humvee or whatever where it, compared to a tank or anything it's still just a big old mech <laughs> yeah that's true yeah i mean so really the only thing that i now now that i've got used to putting people in vaguely the right places the only thing i still have to watch out for is remembering to look out for the scorpions like the ones that web and not putting units that have trouble with webs <laughs> in the right. place where they can immediately get webbed on the first turn right okay yeah that's good to, that's a good tip i i two times i played through the starting island and i've had one of my guys get killed and then and then it's an ai guy when do you when do you get do you get new guys like an ftl or well the time pods is the main way place uh, you get new okay. guys Right, and if you if you get a perfect island, you can get a new pilot as a reward. Oh, cool! Okay, I've got a few of those, but mainly time pods. And right. time pods seem pretty common, considering. Yeah, do you rush over to get the time pods, or do you like most of the time? I mean, it seems like again, this is another one of those things where I it's like I'm not certain it's actually happening or not, but it seems like the enemies are actually kind of programmed not to deliberately stand on the time pod. Yeah. <laughs> Because there seems to be way a lot of times where they easily could just move to that space and destroy it, but they they, they, like, they deliberately don't move to that space. Are the time pods? It's just it's, like uh, randomly on some maps, a time pod comes down and you just get it, and you get a pilot or a piece of equipment, and then usually a reactor core as well. Oh, I see, just like a, a freebie. Yeah, or just a free yeah. random thing. Yeah, and reactor core is pretty good, just like yeah, the reactor core is what you want. Yeah. Put those in your method upgrade the abilities. I feel like like uh, when you're in the shop, you know they cost like three reputation for a type for a reactor core. But it seems yeah. like it's probably worth getting those rather than. It's virtually the only thing you want. <laughs> in, yeah. In the shop. Or well, do you like to... top up your a bit like FTL? But do you top up your grid defense and then get some reactor cores? Or Not really. It's like. It... I'm, if you compared it to the FDL, what I do in FDL is like I'd repair up to a point, but I'd already always leave a, like a few yeah. open. To, but you start the game with like not with two empty with two down. grid. So, but, but a lot of the time you're just getting the grid bonus back from the missions anyway, right? If you do the bonus objectives that give you grid. Mm. Although then I've got to the point where I'm like not even doing that now. I'm prioritizing the ones that just give you two points of rep. Yeah, I'm, exactly. Because then you can trade it. Not taking right. grid damage. Right. Yeah. And you can just spend rep to get grid damage anyway. So yeah, exactly. You may as well yeah. always go for the most rep. Rep. The reputation. The corporation. It's basically just the currency that you spend at the end of the map. Okay. Like victory points. Yeah. Victory points. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I just need to get better at it. I'm not. I, I think it's just because I got reasonably good at FTL. I did yeah. get. It did kick my ass at first. To be fair, to be sure. Well, um, I mean, it's a different thing anyway. Because you're like, it's yeah. more your styles. Eh? It's, it's like is, a puzzle game. So, well, yeah. The whole point of this game is like it's virtually not random at all. Everything is laid out beforehand. Yeah, and you unlike just have to FTL, out. really, which had yeah. quite a bit of random bits for like knocking out your. 
And the other thing that I realized about the FTO is like the it's not just random on like percentage based chance or whatever like there is, but it's also random because it's there's things in FTO that are timing based essentially. Yeah. Like the exact frame of the game where you trigger your gun can significantly affect the outcome of the shots. <laughs> yeah, it's true. In FDL. Whereas in this game, it's purely turn based. So you yeah. just look at the look at the situation and work out how to solve it. Look at it for a long time and then yep, die. Quite a long time. <laughs> and that's the other thing where it's like I I've seen people discussing and I have the suspicion of like if it is, if it, if the AI is deliberately setting up in a way that's making a solvable puzzle, it's pretty good, goddamn good at it. But if it's just coincidentally that, that your that your abilities allow you to always solve every one of these puzzles, then that's also that that like the abilities are well designed. Then <laughs> even the AI is doing something real smart, where it's like figuring out what your abilities are and like setting up its units to make it possible to counteract them most of the time. Or the set of skills is just so well designed that it allows you to counter them all the time. But I don't think it's true that you could you could perfect every game. Do you think? I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I've gotten pretty close. Oh, really? <laughs> There's yeah. definitely been runs where I... Well, I won't say I've gotten away without taking any grid damage, but maybe like a couple. <laughs> right. And I've ended up with like 30% or more grid defense. Hmm. Because I'm getting the bonuses and not ever having to repair. Hmm. And it can depend on the team, obviously, depending on what your skills are and how easy they are compared to... And to some extent, after the first few runs, once you've unlocked the ability to choose which island to start on, that becomes part of the tactics as well, where it's like, what what do, what skills do my guys have? What ones of these enemies will be more difficult to deal with? <laughs> Mainly based on which buff is the most difficult to deal with. If you're going to have problems with, problems with health regen, like if you're not going to kill everything in one shot, get that out of the way first. Or if you're going to have problems with armored enemies, get that out of the way first. Hmm. And to some extent, the terrain hazards, which ones you might have problems with. Like the last run I did with, I did a run with the team that's all that's about basically its main mechanic is forcing the enemies to attack each other. So all of its That's movement, cool. it's all about movement and you don't actually do very much direct damage. That sounds fun. I, I had a lot of trouble on that one on like the desert island because, because of there not being as many opportunities to like kill enemies with environmental hazards. Because like the first island, it's, there's tons of water all over the place. Yeah. And then like the... the the uh, the icy island there's a lot of opportunity to freeze things because it's the icy island and the the last the technology island has acid pools so that's where that comes in but the desert is basically occasionally canyons that you can chuck stuff into but not really any other environmental damage opportunities so that made that group that was mostly about maneuvering and not very much actual damage much harder on that island yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So, but, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, I think, do you, yeah, I don't know. You like it better than FTL, or I don't know about better say. than FTL. I mean, the same, maybe, really. Yeah, the same as FTL. Yeah, I think I think I agree. 
uh, although I need to play a lot more. But uh, I really liked FTL, but I do like that this doesn't have the randomness, and that's good. Um, it's certainly not any quicker than FTL. <laughs> it still takes a real long time. Oh, to it do takes ages. Round. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's ultimately what started putting me off FTL after a while. And that it's like. Well, you like the same thing you said about Isaac as well. Yeah. It's just like. The it, runs are a bit long. Yeah. At least well, in this game, I mean, it's like more legitimately easy to stop at any time. <laughs> well, in FTL, you can stop when. Yeah. I mean, can, FTL but... is split up. Kind of similarly, right? You use the system. Yeah, pick a a mission, basically. Yeah. Except in FDL, you don't get to see what's ahead of you until you get there. Yeah. Whereas in this, you can choose which mission objective you want to do, which makes it easier. That's true. Like, don't do the ones where it's kill seven enemies until you think that you actually can do that. Right, yeah. Or you can exploit the environment to do it. How's that soundtrack? Good. Not as memorable as not as good, right? Yeah, because it's the same guy, isn't it? It's this this Ben Prunty fella. I think some of the some some of the tracks are better than others. Like I quite like the the music of the like the Technology Island. I think that has the best general music Mm. for its battle scenes. Even the starting island is quite nice. Some of them, and and even in within one island, some of the tracks are better than others. I guess the kind of victory music or whatever at the end of the island is pretty good. Yes, because it has like the little victory sting at the end of the battle, but then when you complete the whole island, it just extends it into an actual song. Yeah, (laughs) or not really a song. It's still really a jingle, I guess, like a thirty-second loop or whatever. Mm. But yes, it's quite a nice, it's a nice is it, is it like, music. Is it like how, well, Final Fantasy does this all like after every fight, but you know, like you get the main jingle is the da 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 But then in the various it's like got, Final yeah. Fantasy games, you've got you've got the follow on from it that's different. It's a bit more like direct than that, though. Right. Like the jingle is just literally the start of the long version of the. It's right. not, it's, it's the start of the loop. So when it loops, it's still playing that same bit. It's not like the Final Fantasy one where the jingle is like always a completely separate thing. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And then you, and then you time travel and start again. <laughs> you definitely do. And I've been using basically the same pilot the entire time. Cause really? Because I, 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 the one that you start with is obviously, the, you know, He's meant to be bad, I guess. Right. Because <laughs> his skill is just he gains extra experience, but it's not even that difficult to level. They only have three levels, so it's not even that difficult to level them up, really. He looks really kind of gaunt and weird, that guy, as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's like... I guess that's like he's he's meant to be the time traveller who's done it a lot, I guess. Right. That's why yeah. his bonus is the experience bonus. Yeah. Experienced, or whatever. But yeah, I just ended up using the the guy who lets whatever mech he's in move through enemies. <laughs> oh, cool! That's like, awesome. I mean, obviously I flying, obviously flying gives you a better version of that because then you can also fly over water and whatnot yeah. and still be able to attack. But being able to move through enemies even on just land is hella useful. Yeah, to be able to outmaneuver or get out of blocking. Because a lot of people I've seen saying that the one pilot they use is the guy who gives whatever Mechie's in armoured. And I mean, that makes sense. Particularly if you're struggling in the early levels. Having an armoured mech is, you know, it basically negates every one damage hit. <laughs> right. 
And some of the actual mech teams start with one of their mechs being armored by default, so you don't even need that pilot for that bonus in those teams. But yeah, armor definitely makes it easier in the early game. But I don't think it's necessarily that vital later on. And then, you know, at some point you don't you just don't get hit. It's <laughs> the whole idea. Well, once you get awesome at it. Yeah, what do you learn how to do? And also, in case anyone's thinking about like the different mech squads and thinking that they want to stick with the first one, I can tell you that much like FTL and the engine ship, the second squad is way easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much exactly like the engine ship in FTL. Oh, the engine well, ship was awesome. Any, I never actually ended up playing any of the other ships in FTL because I just couldn't finish that starter. Yeah, that first ship in FTL is, is like way harder than the engine ship. It's quite... True. Quite a lot, because the entry ship has all the power to like disable people all the well, time. Yeah, the, like, ion stuff all the time. It's that weird. You, it's the weird thing, and it also happens in Into the Breach, where you, the entry ship's ion cannon thing. You you look at it, look at it initially, and you're like, "Well, how the fuck do I do damage?" And it's all about the drone and yeah. doing the damage. But what you don't understand until you start using it is like that because it's the really fast firing ion pulse on the entry ship. You just whatever target system you target that it eats through all of the shields and then it will disable whatever system you're aiming at as well. Yeah, it's insane. It's so powerful. Wait, did we play that or did we just get the cannon? I don't run on our run. Yeah, I don't remember. I think we were using a disable play. Yeah, we'll have to look at the video. Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, and so the second squad in Into the Breach, like initially, you think, well, all they do is make smoke and the smoke does damage. But the smoke also cancels any enemy attack. So oh, <laughs> basically, it. you're basically like the jet, the main mech in that is a jet, and its attack is to like jump over an enemy and drop smoke on it, which does one damage, creates a smoke cloud, which cancels the enemy attack. And then at the end of the turn, the smoke does damage. Holy shit, that's awesome. <laughs> so it's okay. already quite, it's already ridiculously powerful in that way. And then when you upgrade that smoke bomb, weapon with reactor cores it becomes even more ridiculous like it can you upgrade it so it can jump two squares instead of one so you're also creating twice as much smoke and then you get another upgrade that makes it do even more damage directly man and basically that team is basically about covering the entire battlefield with as much smoke as possible because enemies won't even deliberately go into smoke unless they don't have any other option so if you're, say, trying to defend a building, you just put smoke on all the squares around it and the enemies will never go there. Because <laughs> they literally can't attack from those spaces with smoke on. Amazing. Okay, so I think I'm going to play... I think I'm going to take it slow and like play through with the first squad, maybe on easy mode, just to see if I can I've learn to play the game. i heard a lot of recommendations about playing this in easy first. Well, that's why I did I, with FTL <laughs> until I, think, I learned how to do it. I mean, I do think that this game is way easier than FTL, and like, I don't think you should struggle as much playing this on all. I think easy is almost too easy from what I've seen of it. it, oh, cra- really? it you get so many, so like, fewer enemies where it's like, right. in, in easy, it seems like you're basically wiping out all the enemies every turn oh, as they spawn. Sounds- which is like that's kind of too easy. Yeah, that's too easy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll see what I can do. Maybe I'll get better at it. <laughs> I hopefully I'll get to the second squad with the awesome smoke. Yeah, I feel like the main trick to it is basically working out how to get reactor cores, <laughs> get that corporate representation, and get the reactor cores, and then figure right. out what the ideal upgrade path is. 
Right, yeah. Because okay. obviously with the first squad, it's like you immediately put the first round of core, you got in, get into the artillery's building immunity. <laughs> right, this, yeah, this, that one's awesome. Does this game still have the ability to like screw you with, the ran- with random then? Like, well, not really, because there's not really any random in it. Yeah, because that's what I'm sort of trying to Well, the maps get, uh, are, but they can't really screw you, can they? But they, they are generated, Well, they're, they're right? random, but they're not like extremely random, I guess. And also, you get to see the map before you start the mission. So, if you True. want, you can just avoid missions that look like they're going to be bad. Yeah, because right, the only reason I ask is because that was one of. I mean, it's a classic thing that style of game. But in FTL, you know, you could go from being quite well off to screwed just because of how that area you're in plays out. Right? It's like, oh, I actually haven't got enough fuel to get across this area unless I stumble across some fuel, and then I didn't. And it's like, great. Couldn't have done anything about that. Yeah, kind of, I guess. I had I had no choice but to fail this run, but you've just eked it out for the length of this sector. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. The only, that was where, like, the only tactic you had in FDL at that point was knowing the way, like, the map worked, where it was like, you want to go to the systems that are connected to as many other systems as possible in order to hope there's a shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. or, or hope you stumble upon an encounter where you just gain what Get you need. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's basically no random. The only random thing is like the percentage chance for buildings to resist damage. And ideally, you're not letting that happen ever. Mm. <laughs> so you don't need to rely on that percentage. All right, cool. It, I mean, I, I know very little about this game other than I've seen a couple of reviews and uh, to, to just get a feel for what it is. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it does look interesting in its in its own special way. It definitely has that FTL look, though, right? Well, I mean, it's the same for font. Sure. That's the main yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. It's the exact same font. And it's like, yeah, that looks like an FTL interface. Mm. It's nice looking, though. Although, speaking of interface, the one thing that is very like well done is like the way that you can where like if you look at the your attacks it shows a preview that shows you exactly what it does and for all the enemy attacks as well yeah. like it shows you a little animated gif basically of what of what the attack oh, does really that's cool yeah it's pretty cool that's real useful and Not, the attack order thing is useful too yeah, yes, and the attack order. Order. Yeah. although that's more that's more of a necessary thing for the way the game works i guess mm. Since it's all laid out in advance, and you having and you're having to deal with things. Yeah, because no, you, you haven't really. I don't, I don't know if you mentioned this earlier. If you did, I apologise. But that's this game's hook, right? Isn't it that it's yeah. You you know what's going to happen. Yeah, and so you have to adjust it in a certain way. Yeah, which is interesting because uh, yeah, that to me, my my sort of tactical strategy game head. Uh, like it's the the one thing that you know is both the best and worst thing about those games is the percentage chance, right? Yeah. Whereas if this is a step away that from that, and, that. It is, yeah. and it's just a pure battle of wits and like a chess game or something like that, I think I can get behind this in, a, in perhaps in a bigger way than I normally would. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's pretty cool. And always make sure you check the attack order because sometimes the environment happens first and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The environment happens. Yes. That's why you need that attack order thing. You need to make sure you're looking because, like, 
it's fire damage happens first, and then environment, and then enemies, and then NPCs. How do you know? Always, if, can you tell if which enemy goes before which other enemy, so that you can tell if well, one's going to shoot the other one? Oh, oh well, they, they numbered... numbers on them when you mouse over the attack order. Ah, oh, okay. But they say it says like two to five or whatever. Can you? Well, it's because it's because it always reserves like one for environment and one for yeah. fire damage, even if there isn't any. So then, what so, do you do? You mouse over the enemies, and it has the number there of which well, you one they when are. you're highlighting the attack order. The numbers are on the enemies, so it just tells you. Oh, okay. Which I missed that. Yeah. First. Oh, cool. That's handy. Okay. Awesome source. Right, I should get back to playing. <laughs> yeah. We've gone way over. Um, we should probably talk about that again next time, although you probably have moved on to something completely different by then. <laughs> Zeg, having... I've got a few more squads to do. Okay. Uh, 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 but I think that's it. So, it's uh... exactly it. <laughs> exactly. So uh, thanks for joining us, listeners. Uh, we'll ca- check out those Into the Breach videos on YouTube. And uh, we'll catch you for another Salacast in a couple of weeks. Hopefully I'll have the new theme tune done by then. <laughs> yeah, look forward to it. Yes. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's real dumb. It's dumber than you can imagine. It's not, not anywhere near finished, but it's dumb. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Can't wait. Spoilers. Bye.